This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. As you know, here at The Coffee Breakup with Marvin and myself, we take mental health very seriously, especially when it comes to therapy. It can be awkward, but the beauty of our sponsorship now with BetterHelp is the accessibility that you get literally over your phone or on the computer, however it is that you need to communicate with someone at BetterHelp to get that therapy that you need. So without a healthy mind, being truly happy and at peace is hard. The good news is therapy works. But what is therapy exactly? It's whatever you want it to be. If you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help, or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work, not dealing well with stress, whatever you need, it's time to stop being ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy. And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to see anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what online therapy is really about. It's always a good time to invest in yourself because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp, and the Coffee Breakup listeners get 10% off their first month at BetterHelp.com slash The Coffee Breakup. That's Better, H-E-L-P dot com slash The Coffee Breakup. Thanks again to BetterHelp for sponsoring this episode. I would right. say that in our culture, the norm is definitely physical attractiveness first. Kind of the it's like lust to romantic love to attachment pipeline. I would say that that is the normal course of events. Um, but thing, things can go in. I mean, we have many cases where things go the other way, right? Like you can be, what would be a good example of this where physical attractiveness comes later? Let's say you're working with a woman for, you know, a few years. Yeah. And you, when you first see her, you have, you have no physical attraction whatsoever. You're, you literally just see her as a friend. You guys are hanging out, spending lots of time together. You're laughing, you're having fun. Um, you know, and then, and then one night at, at, I don't know, the company holiday party, um, you guys hook up, right? Like, they, like it just happens. And then you're like, Oh my God, I've actually, I actually find this woman very attractive. And from then on it becomes a relationship. Mm-hmm. So things can happen in another order. Um, there, there, there's really, in terms of romantic love, there are these three systems, and this comes from um, you know the great Helen Fisher, who's an anthropologist who really gets into all the romantic love stuff and and, and understands it from multiple levels. But we do we do see that there's these kind of three brain systems um, or three components of love, so to say, romantic love of romance, um, lust, which is which we all know. Um, attachment, which is like the deep kind of connection that you have after years and years with someone. And then there's that crazy infatuated romantic love, those feelings. And it's those three systems. They can come online in any order, but you're right that most of the time it does start with the, with the physical attraction side of things. What's up, everybody? Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of Coffee Breakup. Yes, starring Marvin Schultz and myself, Christian Vera. <laughs> um, if you're watching us, well, now we're everywhere. At this yeah, point. we're everywhere. We're uh, everywhere. YouTube, we got a Patreon with some exclusives uh, and other stuff. Uh, Spotify, what else? Spotify, iTunes. iTunes, social media, Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, yeah, and it'll Twitter. It'll be right here. Everything's right being thrown around in your face. Uh, if you're listening to us on the go, thank you for the support. Spotify, iTunes, well, the podcast app. Yeah. I think that's and it. Pretty we much. have a the website, coffeebreakup.com. Which is already down here and you can see it. Yeah, whatever. Dude, you're ruining my flow. I apologize. All right, so we're back on the flow. So I'm very excited. We got Mac and Murphy with us. How you doing? I'm doing great. Thank you so much for making it. I know. I'm you, fresh off of a uh, nearly 10-hour flight, yeah, so I'm a little jet-lagged, a uh, little exhausted, I but apologize. very happy to be we'll here. Well, it's not your fault. I mean, Yeah, but you came here today, you flew in, and yep. you 
a couple of hours later, you're already on the podcast. That's I know. Dedication. I know. I, like I, know. Dedication. I appreciate that. I think this is uh, this is like midnight UK time. So yeah. So because we were supposed to record in an hour, and then I had reached out. Hey, you, yeah. You thank God you, you were like, thank God. Yeah. Oh yeah. Because yeah, I'm flagging already. Yeah. You're exhausted, <laughs> yeah. dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I appreciate it. I was like, I'm in a dream right now. You're <laughs> flowing. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I guess kind of usually how we started off when we have a guest, we give them the platform to introduce themselves, where they're from. A little bit of about themselves, a little background. So yeah, Marvin, understand. you recruited this guy, so I was very excited because yep. I've been following some of your TikToks for a little bit now, and I had reached out. I was like, you know, maybe this guy would be great to have. At that point, I didn't think you'd ever be in in Miami, and so this is kind of really cool. I thought we were gonna do like a virtual call, which right, was right, initially yep. the idea. And you're like, hey, I think I'm, I can be in Miami, and then we're like, hell, let's do it. Yeah. So uh, yeah, that was good you. timing. Yeah, yeah, and you guys were actually already on my radar when you reached out. It was kind of weird. Like really? it, it was, it was a little fortuitous because. The week prior, I had actually seen clips of you guys pop up on my feed. I was like, oh, that'd be a good show for me to do. Like, there aren't that many relationship shows. So I was like, oh, that's actually it's a good one to be aware of. And then you DM'd me, and I was like, all right, well, I've already. It's, it's meant to be. Yeah, the universe yeah. talking. <laughs> I yeah, love exactly. it, dude. Yeah, I think I saw you guys with the um, that Florida-based kind of relationship psychologist. Uh, Dr. Advice. Lorenzo. Oh, I'm, I'm not sure. Lorenzo? Was he blonde? Yeah, blonde, yeah, old. Yeah, he was from not old. super old, like yeah. middle age. Yeah, 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 Dr. Dorenzo. Yeah, yeah, yeah he's yeah. up in Jacksonville. Yeah, he's up in Jacksonville. Mm. He came D. down here and we had him on and Dr. D. Yeah, yeah, he's he was great. And we love having people on professional, people who know more. Than, like, we never say we have all the answers. Mm. So we like to bring on people who may know more, more have different experiences. So we really love like, professionals on and people from all over and kind of give us a little bit of their insight. So awesome. Yeah, this so is like a big old uh, research project, I'd say, for us. You know, yeah. we get to learn a lot. We get to be become educated. And if, uh, you know, I guess the result is helping people along the process. I mean, that's the ultimate goal for us. For right. sure, for sure. Yeah, because I feel like there's so much noise out there, especially on social media. You were saying there's not a lot of podcasts for relationships. But I feel like every time you go on on social media, everybody has an opinion about something that is pertaining to a relationship. But I don't think uh, a lot of it is solid advice. And I think <laughs> true because so I be think honest. that people, um, it's almost like the media. You know, you, you kind of want to just come out with the information. And if it's viral, trendy, or you know it's going to catch eyes, that's what people are going to roll with. And they shy away from whatever the truth is. Yep. So that's yeah. kind of what we like to stick to. We like to be genuine. We like to be honest, vulnerable. Even there's a possibility for that too. Although some men they say that you can't be, uh, we welcome it because obviously that's what that opens the door for everybody to kind of be a little bit more open minded to learn what it is that we bring to the table and uh, obviously just to listen to everything. So that's kind of our basis and that's why you're here. So yeah, yeah, give us yeah. Well, no, I, I guess I'll, I guess I'll kind of caveat that and say there's not a lot of relationship podcasts that are sane. Um, I feel like a, there's a lot of men <laughs> online <laughs> talking about relationships right now, word, yeah. um, but most of them would be too crazy to <laughs> interact with properly. I think a lot of it is just lunatics. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry, dude. It's yeah. just it's it's crazy. So I think this makes even what we do even more important. So and so obviously yeah. you as well, kind of giving people information, unbiased, respectful. You know, respecting other people's beliefs and, and opinions, but also trying to be. Um, compassionate to other people as well yeah i think that uh the other shows they kind of have a belief and then they want to force mm, your belief yep. on onto whoever you know the audience is or maybe their guests or whatever and for us it's more like listen bro like there's a lot of different people there's a lot of different opinions backgrounds a lot of ex a lot of factors that get taken into consideration yeah. and that's where we have the conversations here so then we can all understand like hey maybe your process doesn't work maybe theirs does that may not work for you, but now let's create the conversation to find what does. It may not be the same for everybody, but the whole point is making you understand that you have your own path to get there. Mm. So I guess that's where the basis comes from. So again, yeah. So well, you want to go ahead and jump into 
No, like, it's, it's, yeah, and give, give us an introduction. Oh, yeah, I mean, uh, <laughs> my name is Mackin. Um, I'm a scientist at the University of Melbourne. Um, I study human mating behavior. It's kind of an un- unusual topic, but yeah. it's basically looking at human relationships in a very similar and in some cases the same way that you would look at the relationships of other animals. So it's grounded in an evolutionary uh, biology approach, um, you know, behavioral ecology, evolutionary psychology, kind of a, a meld of these. I wouldn't really align with any specific uh, thought discipline, so to say. But also there's, you know, taking into account the cultural side of things, which is very important. Mm. So just looking at human behavior with the knowledge that we are animals and we do have evolved tendencies, but also taking into account that we also have tremendous cultural variation and we have modes of changing ourselves that are slightly different to most species. That yeah, is so we're, we're very advanced primates. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. we are still, I guess, animals, right? Absolutely. So I guess a lot of our tendencies are, even now, 2023, are, so to speak, part of our DNA. Could you say yeah, that? Yeah, I would say most of them are. Most of uh, them. Yeah, I mean, think about, think about the very basic thing that we're doing here today, right? We're talking about mating. Right? This is something that literally every animal does or every sexually reproducing animal does so that's what we're focused on right we're focused on the same thing that other creatures are i mean we might have microphones we might have cameras we might be able to do it in this really dressed <laughs> sure, up way sure, sure. um but we're doing the same thing that you know parrots are doing that other apes are doing uh, that many fish are doing i mean this is this is kind of par for the course in terms <laughs> of animals but do you I mean, and you had said it earlier culture i guess plays such a huge part of does it affect the way we behave the way we are kind of interact with each other and the opposite sex as well yeah yeah yeah. so i would say that culture plays less of a role than most people think to be honest i like again so culture does play a role okay but i think people underestimate god i mean we could get we could kind of get straight into it um, just in terms of for example what people find attractive right so there's variation in what people find attractive right There, there are some cultures for example um where like a really thick long beard um would be considered attractive and there are some cultures where clean shaven faces are considered most desirable um but there but those are more kind of light traits the heavier traits that you look at the more the more serious ones those tend to be pretty easy to replicate across cultures in terms of whether they're attractive or not so for example faces that have average traits meaning like the average size nose average width jaw uh, average lip shape these these types of things these faces tend to be more attractive uh, more symmetrical faces, these tend to be more attractive, right? Faces that don't have like massive fluctuating asymmetry, um, faces that are basically the same on both sides, those tend to be more attractive. In men, we see that um, broad shoulders relative to the waist, right? Th- these are considered, att- that Dorito shape, yeah. yeah. That's considered attractive in every culture where we've studied it, right? So there are things that, despite the tremendous cultural variation, despite that we're celebrating different holidays, we have different beliefs, right? We think the world is different, At a very base level, we find the same things attractive across cultures. Now, there are, again, don't clip this. There are certainly, you know, things that are different between cultures, like we already mentioned. Sure, sure, sure. Um, Like, there are some cultures where we'd be terrifying because we have tattoos, we'd be like associated with. Whereas here in Miami, that's. Yeah, yeah, exactly. (laughs) Like, if we were were in um, parts of Japan, it would be like, oh, wow, like, why why do they. Criminals. Yeah, exactly. But here, it's like you you could be a bank teller. And be completely covered in tattoos, and that's totally fine. That's so there's definitely culture. yeah. So there's there's cultural. My point is that there are cultural influences, but even with things like that, it's like 
in every culture we see body modification and body decoration. And so the underlying trait, like the, the surface level specifics of what we're doing might vary between cultures, but the underlying trait is often the same. So there are some hard features, I guess I'm kind of rambling here, but there are some hard features that are attractive across cultures, right? There are some things that most men in all cultures find attractive, right? And there are some things that most women in all cultures find attractive. And then there are these cultural things, but those cultural things even have underlying similarities, um, such as the fact that like this specific type of body modification might not be attractive in all cultures, but body modification is found across cultures as a way of self-beautification. Interesting. Yeah. I, I can understand a lot of aspects of it. Like I can understand taller man the height equals you know stronger strength security the shoulders i get for woman maybe the hips is that the reason yeah i mean it 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 does seem to be because we see that height in some cultures is actually negatively associated with hunting ability it it seems to come down to you know fighting and protecting ability it depends on what on what resources they're gathering right um so, so my background is anthropological even though now i'm working um in a psychology department as a as a phd student um but yeah, I mean, there, there, there are some, there are some groups where being taller and larger actually seems to disadvantage you hunting wise. Mm. Um, but height is still attractive in some of those groups. Now we do see some groups where height is considered less important. Um, I, I don't think there's any culture where like super short males are prized. Um, but there are some cultures where the height preference is less extreme and there's debate in the literature as to why that is. But I would say that overall, there is a bias in mammals generally, in female mammals generally, towards preferring larger males. But is that perpetrated by also society, by, you know, like yeah. the music industry, entertainment industry, what we see on social media? Could that be what kind of increases that? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one example of this is dating apps, right? Never before were women, were women able to type in what height they wanted. Yeah. And so now everyone is like six foot, six foot or over, or, or like a six foot at least, or I'm not even going on a date, right? But in real life, we all know that that's not how it works, right? Like if you're at a bar or a club, nobody knows exactly what height everyone is. There's, there's no sure, real life. Sure. Like a guy, a guy who's five foot 10 is kind of this, I mean, in person, that really is very similar to six foot. Um, but again, like with these new technologies and things, we have the opportunity to be more direct in our filtering. And it's going to be interesting to see how that plays out um, for our species. Another thing is that, or just on the height thing, is that projecting preferences can sometimes be a status signal, right? So a woman might say, I don't date guys under six feet, feet tall. And that, that might not be true per se, mm. right? Like maybe she would actually in practice date someone who's, you know, five foot nine or five foot seven or whatever, right? But her saying that confers a status benefit because she's suggesting that she's picky, right? Which, which implies that she is high mate value, right? So it's like, if you're saying, so a lot of times when people advertise their mate preferences, it's not their actual mate preferences they're advertising. It's they're trying to signal to other people that they're picky. Um, so, so, cause we see this huge gap. Um, oh, well, it's not always huge, but we do see a gap between your stated preferences and your revealed preferences, right? What you say you care about, what you say you want and what you actually choose in practice. And some of this is going to be social desirability bias, right? Sure. So, so for example, you might, if someone asks you, Hey, what are you looking for in a woman? You might say, oh, I want someone who's honest. I want someone who's loyal. I want someone who's kind. And you probably do want those things, right? 
But the reason that those are the first things you're saying is because you would seem shallow if you started mentioning like physical attributes <laughs> or something, right? You would like, that would, that sure, would not sure. come across well socially. But yeah. when you date, when you actually date, it might well be the case that that's the first thing you're selecting on. It's like, do they meet my looks criteria? Okay, now let me look into their personality, right? It's not personality first in real life necessarily. Right, I'm, not, right. I'm not saying for either of you Just, specifically, yeah, yeah, yeah. but for many men, that will be the case. And for many women as well. So. Well, because the looks, it's kind of what gets the attention. And then after that, you can kind of go into... Because like, if I see right. look at you, yeah. I can't see your personality, yeah. but I can see physically attractiveness. Yeah, I would right. say that in our culture, the norm is definitely physical attractiveness first. Kind of the it, It's like lust to romantic love to attachment pipeline. I would say that that is the normal course of events. Um, but thing, things can go in... I mean, we have many cases where things go the other way, right? Like you can be... What would be a good example of this where physical attractiveness comes later? Let's say you're working with a woman for, you know, a few years. Yeah. And you, when you first see her, you have, you have no physical attraction whatsoever. You're, you literally just see her as a friend. You guys are hanging out, spending lots of time together. You're laughing. You're having fun. Um, you know, and then, and then one night at, at, I don't know, the company holiday party, um, you guys hook up right? Like, they, like it just happens. And then you're like, oh my God, I've actually, I actually find this woman very attractive. And from then on, it becomes a relationship. So things can happen in another order. Um, there, there, there's really, in terms of romantic love, there are these three systems. And this comes from, um, you know, the great Helen Fisher, who's an anthropologist who really... Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds. And I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Gets into all the romantic love stuff and, and, and understands it from multiple levels. But we do, we do see that there's these kind of three brain systems um, or three components of love, so to say, romantic love of romance, um, lust, which is, which we all know, um, attachment, which is like the deep kind of connection that you have after years and years with someone. And then there's that crazy infatuated romantic love, those feelings. And it's those three systems. They can come online in any order, but you're right that most of the time it does start with the, with the physical attraction side of things. Right. The physical attraction. I mean, uh, I guess on the topic of, of height and like uh, right. since we were talking about it, I can understand how it might make more sense for someone who, like if you go to Sweden, the average woman is a lot taller than maybe the average no. woman in, in, in the States or in, in Miami, for example. A lot of Hispanics tend to be a little bit shorter. So when you're in Sweden as a Swedish woman, you would probably want to date somebody who's a little bit taller than you, meaning that they would have to be taller than the average woman. Or because they're taller, do they, f well, you're talking about women? Well, I was saying that the women there are taller, then therefore they will probably want a man who is taller too. True. But here in Miami, if the women are shorter, why does it matter if you need a man that is okay. extremely well, tall? Well, it's interesting because what we see is we see, a, so we do see a bias towards men who are taller than themselves, right? So, so and, and this is Western samples because there actually are, um, I was actually just reading a study on the plane over here today. Um, I think it was the Hazda people or Hadza. Um, where they very, basically a, a very small percentage of the women mentioned 
height as a desirable physical characteristic. So the researchers were like, what do you find attractive? What do you find attractive? And I think only like one in 50 women were like, oh, you know, I'd like a guy who's super tall. Whereas again, in Miami, you might talk, yeah. and it might be, it might be literally 49 out of yeah. 50 women who are mentioning height as a desirable characteristic. Sure, so we sure, see sure. that. So we do see this cultural variation. It, it is important. And sometimes cultural variation, it's, it's undergirded by ecological variation the same way it would in other animals. Right. So maybe that there's maybe there's environmental reasons why you don't want the tallest guy. Right. Maybe resources are scarce, for example. Okay. And so a taller guy needs more resources. So that, that that's one hypothesis. Another one would be maybe you're in an environment where being very large actually obstructs hunting ability. And so that man won't be as good of a provider. But in the West, we obviously don't have a problem with resource scarcity. Sure. We also don't have a problem with hunting. Typically, um, nobody really needs to do that. And so <laughs> we'd see this preference for height, um, this preference for physical formidability. Yeah. Um, I mean, women talk about height, but oftentimes it's actually broadness in practice okay. um, that's being selected for. So oh, okay. uh, again, I'm kind of going off on tangents as I speak here, No, no. but there are, there are studies that suggest that height is an okay predictor of male mating success, but it's really girth, width, right? How broad they are. Um, like your shoulders or? Yeah, like your overall, like if you, me if you measure around here, okay, right? Okay. Um, and, and it's interesting because that might be a better proxy for formidability anyway, right? It's just a less visually striking one. Um, yeah, like a, a really tall, skinny, I don't know, like someone who's built like, Pete Davidson. I was literally um, thinking about that guy because <laughs> he was like, tall and skinny. <laughs> I was like, Pete Davidson's well, tall and skinny. You know, it's like, I, I don't know why I'm, I'm just using him as an, as an example, but his, his, obviously he does well with women. So I don't think his feelings are going to be hurt if this comes across <laughs> in this TikTok, Fair but, enough. um, he's not, he's not built in an intimidating way. Um, whereas a guy who's like half a foot shorter than him, but jacked, I mean, that's, you know, that's more formidable. Um, I, again, it's, it's hard to see where the selective, pressures are coming from it's yeah. a, it, it's very difficult to know whether these guys have higher mating success just because of the nuances of the population where it was measured um or whether it's because you know these guys are so intimidating that nobody competes with them okay, um, okay. but for whatever reason we do see an advantage to being formidable yeah but you were asking you were asking about height in terms of um sweden versus miami right like so, yeah where, where so it made more what, sense yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe, so right? here's 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 what sure. we see a lot of people think, oh, the girl wants to be with a guy who's taller than them. And we do see that taller women also want... Even taller? Yeah, taller tall, men. Tall, they want men who are taller than themselves. Yeah. But the real preference is for men who are taller than the average man, right? So so oh, okay. it's it's not a preference for... So when you when you actually... And, and, and it might vary between studies, but from what I've seen, it's not that men who are taller than the specific women rating are rated as more attractive. Um, it's more so that men who are taller than the average man are rated as more attractive. So there's a benefit to being, you know, five foot 11 as opposed to five, nine, let's say. So you just essentially got to be a little bit taller than the men around you. That, you know, yes. Yes. Speaking. That would be the benefit. Yeah. I would, I would say though that it, that it is more manipulable than people think. I mean, you can make yourself, a lot of people talk about height as if, the, as if they're just all doomed. Um, but there, there are lots of ways that you can make yourself seem much taller. Yeah. I mean, okay. So dress. Probably yeah, exactly. So if, overall, like, yeah. how, if you're slim, probably you have yeah. like a more taller, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's there's aesthetic things you can do to make yourself seem taller. So if you wear if you wear shoes that just have 
I mean, you can buy insoles if you if you're really extreme about it. No, you actually can. I mean, there's no there's nothing. It's not illegal. Maybe I it's should not do illegal. It. But if you if you wear if you like if you wear a pair of sneakers that has like I mean, some sneakers are very comfortably give you an, an extra two inches of height, right? Like that's yeah, there's there's no there's no law against that, right? If you if you have more hair on your head, right? Like if you grow out your hair a little bit, that also can give you a couple inches. Oh, um, no. And then on top of that, on top of that, if you've got, I mean, it sounds ridiculous. It sounds ridiculous. I don't, you don't want to look like John. Bravo, but <laughs> maybe you can, I do. Yeah, but then also fixing your posture, right? Standing up straight, all these things. If if you if you did a suite of things, and then also as you say, like changing the way you dress. So, um, for I mean, I have no idea why the why this is true, but it, but it does seem to be the case that if you're wearing shorts that are like cut slightly shorter. You see, you just look taller. Yeah, like I mean, cropped. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I don't know yeah. why. I mean, it may, maybe it makes your legs look longer. I'm not sure. Yeah. But if you did basically all the, so some the guys mind. will, you know, speak to me and they'll be like, well, I just feel like I'm, you know, I feel like I'm fucked because of my height. And it's like, well, you could look four inches taller like this afternoon if you wanted to. It's just, you, you would have to do a few things that, um, and if you wanted to be extreme about it, yeah, you could also, you could also get insoles and, um, you, I mean, it might, it might, it might, I mean, there's also leg lengthening surgery now, I I, I mean, but you know, what's funny about that. I mean, people, again, it goes back to the attractiveness research. That's something that I'm slightly skeptical of in terms of making men more physically attractive. Um, I, I would say that it probably has a benefit for very short men, but there are studies on, what body ratios women tend to find attractive. I can see that. Um, and we see that men with longer torsos relative to their legs are generally rated in like silhouette studies as more attractive. Right. I can see and, that. And men with, cause if you've got a short torso and really long legs, <laughs> which is what, which here. is what these guys have, that's actually a very feminine build. Right, like oh. if you're all, it's very feminine. Like all legs, like this is um, that's a much more, it's a much more feminine ratio. Yeah, I can um, see that. So it's, it's tough. And then also you have that, you have that thing where the arms don't match, where where it looks going to look weird. It's going to look odd. Yeah, I mean, I'm not. I don't want to. I don't necessarily want to discourage it because I do feel that for some people it probably is like a, especially like extremely short people, it probably mm. is like an effective body modification route. <laughs> To um, are are you short? Am I? Have I not noticed that you're? I'm, I'm pretty short. Because every time I mention height, hey, this guy's he, looking over. He's taller than me. No, because oh, okay. he likes to rank on me on certain things. No, I, okay, so you have to. So no, you have to get on. You have to get in. I am pretty sure, but not well, that. if you are, I didn't I notice. Either, um, but you know the um, <laughs> but things like leg lengthening surgery. I mean, it might be. Maybe I'll do it. Yeah, I mean, it might it might be effective, but I would say that it wouldn't. It's not. It's not quite the cheat code that it appears to be because you're going to mess up your ratios. And we already have the research showing that like the ratios don't, that the ratios do matter. Um, And then it also looks like a massive sacrifice, to be honest. I mean, these guys, every time these videos pop up, I'm like, damn, you took a year out of your 20s for this? You had to go I mean, through like, like rehab, it's a rehab, you rehab and kind of yeah. do all kinds of things. It's, it's, it's a big surgery. It takes forever just to learn how to walk again. Yeah, you got to relearn. Yeah. All, no, I don't think it's worth it. I mean, maybe in extreme cases, if you're really that yeah. short, but I don't even, I, don't I mean, know. one of, I don't one of my, so. one of my buddies is five, four, which is definitely, that's tough. Yeah, that's tough. He's a um, good but, candidate. but he actually, right. 
but he actually does very well with women because he's maxed out basically everything else. Yeah. Um, I mean, I mean, maybe, maybe he kind of had to, but like, he's like a fro. Stop. <laughs> you know, he doesn't do any of the, he doesn't do any of the things that I would tell him to do to make himself look like three inches taller. Um, but you know, I mean, he, you know, he's in great physical condition, has a good job, good with money. Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah. Looks cool all the time. Well spoken. Good. Per- yeah. Good educated, personality. Maybe, yeah. Educated. Fun. Yeah. yeah so, yeah. so he's got all these other things going on that it's kind of like, I mean, what he told me about his experience of dating is that, like, you know, 98% of women look over him, probably literally, but they, <laughs> <laughs> but but the 2% that don't really care about height, they're just like, oh, my God, my dream man. You know, my, my prince has arrived. Um, because it's like, if you don't care about height, he's already got everything else dialed yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know. But d- does it does he talk about, like, oh, man, I wish I was a little taller? Like Never never heard that. No, he's, he's very secure. Well, the, oh, okay. and then I think that's the, that's the thing. So he never gives off that that vibe of... Oh man, like you know, I wish I were a little bit taller. So it's yeah. also not red yeah. when with probably women when he's talking to them. Yeah. So he comes in without even that being a factor. Yeah. Like that's not even a topic of conversation yeah. because yeah. he can kind of flow around that. And I think that that's kind of the, the main thing. It's being secure within yourself with whatever it may yeah. be. Work on whatever you can if you choose to, yeah. you know, be the best individual that you, you can possibly be. But there's certain limiting factors and it's like, are you really gonna make that like hold you back from being who you can be? Insecurity, you're touching on something great here because insecurity, it's always going to be repulsive to mates. And the reason is, is because you're not endorsing yourself as a candidate, mm-hmm. right? Like imagine if you had, so, so when you're dating, it's almost like you're applying for a job, right? Imagine you had two job candidates come in um, and one of them's, you know, totally secure and they're like, yeah, I, I, I want to do this job. And they're, you know, putting their best foot forward. And the other one's, oh, you know, I'm probably going to suck at this job. Oh, you probably want to hire someone else, da, 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 da. Being super insecure, you'd be like, I want to hire the guy who thinks he can actually do it, right? It's the same thing with dating. Um, if you come forward with all this insecurity, all this not backing yourself, it's sad because I really do feel for people who have insecurity, but it is worth masking it. Um, or at least masking it to the people that you're in the initial stages of courtship with, because it is going to be a bit of a red flag for them. Um, again, I'm not saying that you can't like at a later stage, um, be a little more vulnerable. Like you don't have to hide everything and just be a, a, you know, a gargoyle. But, um, if you're, you know, on a first date and you're, you know, asking her whether she cares that you're five foot four, that's not, that's not a good conversation. The best uh, introduction to the date but let me ask because is insecurity maybe like on a spectrum because it's can it be relative because there's some guys or some girls may even who like a little bit of jealousy so in that term is it can it mm. be where you're like man like, so i mean it's a little attractive yeah so you're using insecurity in the other sense um, like in terms of the jealousy jealousy of yeah it. let's talk sound, about that doesn't even sound healthy yeah yeah well, no yeah I'm well not it's funny that, but but it, but it is, but it is funny that some people do anecdotally say that they like jealousy and i've, I've thought quite a bit about this and I think that it's because they interpret it as a signal of emotional investment by the other party, mm-hmm. right? It's like, oh, they care. Like they want, I'm wanted, I'm desired. Yeah, maybe? exactly, exactly. Yeah. So it's like if I, I, I guess it's it, it's like two scenarios. It's like um, if someone hits on you, right? If if you're out and a girl hits on you, um, and your girlfriend doesn't care at all mm-hmm. you might think like why doesn't she care i don't know i'm not yeah. saying this is how i am at all i'm trying to get myself into the mind because i've heard the exact same you, thing you, yeah, yeah, i've heard the you. exact same thing from people where they're like oh i actually like a little bit of a jealousy you know it makes me feel good and um i, I mean Toxic. i don't yeah right yeah, yeah. <laughs> i don't personally relate to that i, I definitely want to minimize jealousy yeah, sure, sure, um, sure, sure, sure. but 
I, 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 that would be my attempt to, you know, understand the psychology a little bit. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Okay. Uh, I had one more question because in terms of what we were talking about, like the height and all that stuff like that, you had said certain characteristics are attractive to the opposite sex. Um, where does that play into, because I understand everything, the height and all that stuff like that, but you had said some, something about like facial, like the symmetry, right? Yeah. Where does that come from? Because yeah. I know they, they've done oh, studies where yeah. what is like the ideal, or the most beautiful woman or the most beautiful man, and they all share a lot of the same characteristics with the yeah. face, like a kind of like a chiseled jaw and that kind of that look. But where is that coming from? Can I, can we got a we hand raise over yeah, there. Yeah, because yeah, I yeah. want to, me, me, me. Yeah. No, because I, I noticed that one of your most recent uh, posts on Instagram was, yeah. uh, was like almost about eye color. Which yeah. one's the most like attractive? You yeah. would say, okay, yeah. and it ultimately it ended up with the, the kind of the result being it's whatever's different. Yeah, yeah. Well, that was that was an interesting study. It's actually from one of my old mentors, um, Alexander Uhl. Um, uh, she was at Boston University uh, when I was uh, undergraduate there, so she's one of the first people who taught me about sexual selection. Um, yeah, I, I, I took her sex differences class, but in any case, her her recently published research looked at a large sample of women and basically showed them sets of faces. And she was looking for, okay, well, what eye color do they like? So she was using kind of these digital manipulation techniques to change the eye color of the faces, right? So it's like, I guess, how can we just explain it bare bones? She would go up to a woman with, you know, six guy faces, essentially, or maybe they'd come into the lab. I actually don't know what the recruitment method was like. And she would say, okay, pick which face you find most attractive, second most attractive, rank them, right? And the participant wouldn't know this, but she had changed the eye color for each participant. Right, right? Right, right, so yeah. she was controlling for the faces. The faces were the same, yeah. but it was the eye color that was changing between participants. And so it's like, how does eye color affect their rankings? Well, it turned out eye color didn't affect their rankings per se, right? So it, blue eyes weren't more attractive than green eyes, more attractive than brown eyes. They right. were all kind of equally attractive. It didn't really matter. The faces were ranked the same unless one of the eye colors was rare, right? So if you show them let's say it's five this, blue eyes. Yeah. Five guys with blue eyes, one guy with brown eyes. The guy with brown eyes is going to be ranked higher than he would if he also had blue eyes. You think why? Because he stands out. Well, it could be a perceptual bias where it's just more noticeable. Mm. Um, it could be genuine. It could be genuine, negative um, frequency dependent sexual selection. There could be some benefit um, to selecting the rare variant. Um, maybe, may, but I, I would say that it's probably some kind of perceptual bias. Um, but, but that, I mean, stands aside from the averageness and symmetry research. You, so you said about kind of archetypal, yeah. beautiful faces. Yeah, well, I want to see if there was like a relation yeah. with that at all. So that's certainly, well, well, it's, well, it's interesting cause it's, it's different from what we see in the averageness research. Right. That's it's kind of so, like the opposite. Yeah, it's 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 a little bit. So one thing that we see in the um in the averageness research is that if you superimpose lots of faces, right? So you so you put lots of faces on top of each other and right, blend right, right. them, then the face that Av- is the result like averages out. Is more yeah, averages out the traits, but the face that is the result of that averaging is more attractive than the individual faces in the set. Okay. Which is kind of peculiar, right? It's like you make so if we uh, and this is just a likely truth. Like if we combined my face, your face, your face, and like 20 other guys' faces from off the street, the combination of all of our faces, ugly as we might be, would be, (laughs) would be more attractive than us individually. Right. So, so what's going on there? Well, there are a few things that are, that could be going on. Um, and, and this is to be clear, I'm using average in two senses and, and there's really no way to avoid this, this kind of, speech peculiarity 
But when I say average, I don't mean average looking. I, no, no, I, I mean the average, average. size, yeah. placement, right, shape right, right. of the right, trait. Right, right, right. If you have the average size, shape, placement of any trait, it's going to be above average attractiveness, right? Okay. Yeah, yeah. I so that, that, that's it, what I'm communicating. It, I it. I, it, it, it's, you know, a little weird. Yeah, you got to be careful. No, no, no. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> Why would that be the case? Well, there are a few possibilities. One possibility is that people with more average traits are somehow healthier in their development. Because we see this across cultures. You could say, oh, it's a cultural thing, but it's but it's difficult because when we look in other cultures, we see the same effect. Yeah, yeah, and I'm in saying. fact, there are cultures that have no exposure or no significant exposure to Western media, such as the Aceh, um, where they actually have a stronger preference for averageness, right? So you can't say, oh, it's because our celebrities have average looking faces. It's like, ah, not really, because these people don't have I mean, celebrities no. in the same sense. Sure. And they also are picking the average faces. So it could be that it signals some kind of underlying health, right? So okay. when we're selecting mates, there does seem to be a bias across cultures for selecting traits that are associated with good health. This could be because these people have more robust genes, right? That you want to, you want your children to have healthy genes, let's okay, say. Okay. Could be that. Mm. But it could also be putting the cart before the horse, right? It could be sexual selection preferred these traits and that's how they became the averages, right? So maybe the average nose is the average nose because it looks good. And so every all selection is kind of pressing towards the average um, on each trait as a result. So it could be a cart before the horse thing. Sure. And there, there, you know, there are a couple other ideas. Um, one idea from the kind of non-evolutionary literature, just so I, just so I make sure, because I'm an evolutionary scientist, so I'm, I tend to uh, I tend to communicate in their terms. But there is an idea from the non-evolutionary literature that's not necessarily incompatible, but it's just that these faces are easier to process, right? If it's an average face, maybe it's it's just a smoother processing um, because it's not, you know, it's not new, it's not weird, it's not strange because it's so normal, right. your brain just picks it up immediately and as a result, they become more attractive. And then on the symmetry thing, it's just, just because this is actually quite quick, um, th on the symmetry thing, people who develop more healthily, right, with less environmental insults, such as, you know, injuries, Right, like I have a very asymmetrical face because I used to box, so I, I you know, I broke oh, my I nose, and stuff, yeah. yeah, so uh -huh. I've, I've, I, I, so my face is less symmetrical. What does that tell mates? It tells mates that for, if I'm, if it's between me and you know, pretty boy who has like super symmetrical yeah. face, yeah, exactly. It's like, well, how come he was able to get out unscathed from life? Right, that's a True. good signal. Right, it's a good signal of something. It, it, somehow, this guy's avoided damage. That's something that's considered. That's something that's considered positive. So, symmetry. It could be avoiding insults. Could also be health. a genetic thing. Well, yeah. yeah, it could also be a health thing. Yeah, and it yeah. could go back to the processing thing again. It could just be like, oh, it's easier to if a face is symmetrical, you can download it easier. Yeah, because I also yeah. feel like it's also less distracting yeah. too. So instead of you focusing on, let's say, someone's nose is slightly larger, yeah. for example, you're able to just ignore that and talk to the person based on the average. Yeah. So instead of you kind of focusing on something. Yeah it allows for some other sort of connection, yeah. I would say. Yeah, and, I, and, and I, I would agree with that. And I would also say that, um, and that would, go, that would go back to the processing thing. Right, I, right. I, I would also just make a quick note while, while we're going down all this literature. I don't, I don't sure. want to send everyone in front of the mirror um, to be like, <laughs> oh my God, am I symmetrical? Am I? There sure. are, you know, there are, you know, bona fide celebrities who are considered very attractive, who actually have very, like a, a good example of this is um, Tom Cruise. Right. I mean, Tom Cruise isn't, isn't this anymore, but, um, he, he was used, a heartthrob, but he used day. to be, yeah, he used to be considered very, very, very attractive. Yeah. 
And he is extremely asymmetrical. Um, like if you actually measure the symmetry of his face, it, it's, it's quite off. Um, Ryan Gosling is also quite asymmetrical. Um, his, his nose is quite to one side. Um, yeah, I mean, so you can, this is all just to say that it's like, yes, these things help, but the effect size isn't that big, right? There's actually more that goes into attractiveness and mm-hmm. you can get away with being asymmetrical and good looking. You can get away with being very non-average and good looking. We all, we all can think of models and celebrities who are attractive, but they have peculiar traits um, that are very outside the average. So I don't want anyone at home to think that they're just completely doomed because they're asymmetrical or not average looking. Uh, it's, it's very possible to be a good looking person with neither of those traits. Those are just traits that we see consistently replicated across cultures as attractive. Yeah. Cause I was thinking that cause I, I you, you watch some, you read some of those studies or you see some of the stuff and it's like, um, what's the most uh, average or whatever, the most beautiful face or whatever in man or woman. And a lot of them have similarities or, you know, they kind of pick out certain uh, cultures or whatnot. And it seems to be, I guess, a correlation. So I wanted to ask you, I mean, Glad we have you here, dude. Thank you so much. Yeah, I've seen, Um, I, I actually saw a couple of years ago, I forgot where I saw it, but it was almost like that way you said of like the averages of the faces that they just overlapped like a ton of different yep. celebrities and stuff. And then they got like the, the most beautiful person yeah. that it was of what it created. And it seemed like, like an average pretty person. Like it, there wasn't anything that was like really sticking out or anything like that. It was pretty good symmetry, obviously. I mean, yeah, sure, 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 average. sure. But yeah, it was like what you would typically just expect of. Yeah, and that's actually what, that was the original kind of debunking of the averaging hypothesis was someone said, hang on, if you, because we already knew about symmetry, they were like, hang on, if you superimpose tons of faces, each face is going to get more symmetrical because each individual asymmetrical item is going to be controlled for by the other faces. And so some people were like, oh, averageness isn't attractive. It's just more, we're just replicating the symmetry effect. Um, but then later it, ter- it turns out the averageness actually is attractive. They just had to do more robust studies to control for that. I had yeah. um, a question of something that you touched on uh, earlier and it was regarding uh, preferences yeah. and um, how we had said that, especially for men that they feel like, oh, they need to go off of, oh, what are you looking for? Oh, honestly, uh, loyalty, whatever, because they almost feel bad of saying maybe something that's more superficial. Um, however, we see that m- women typically will have more stronger preferences that we accept, but then men are the ones that are kind of held back as to maybe those sort of physical. Interesting, Is yeah. there a reason for why we've allowed that or why we've accepted that? And also, um, yeah, just trying to get an understanding of why that's come to be. That's a really interesting thing to note because actually I, I haven't, I hadn't noticed that before you said it, but now that I think of it, it is more, it does seem to be slightly more socially acceptable for a woman to say, oh, I only want to date a guy who's, you know, six foot X. Yeah, because right? if I say I want a woman who's less than 130 pounds. That would, that would go like there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you can't even say that Canceled. right now. No, this is all, uh, you that's know. Not, that's not you being yeah, serious. Yeah yeah yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. That's not you being serious. Um, right. But yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So, what? Do I, well, what's my what's my thought on that? I'll I'll, I'll, no, I'll note a couple things. First, women are genu- are generally choosier than men. I was thinking that there's a general atmosphere. I mean, one thing uh, we we mentioned Helen Fisher earlier. I think yeah. this quote is attributable to her, where women are looking for Mister Perfect, men are looking for Mrs. Good Enough, right? Cool. So women generally have higher standards. Um, they generally find less men attractive. Like, so there's, there's a, there's a funny way to do this and this is on physical attractiveness. So maybe it's, it's, it's misrepresentative, okay. um, but it's still, 
anecdotally quite interesting that if you get a set of men um, and you get a set of women and you have women and men kind of rate, rate each other, what you see is that women rate a, and I don't remember the exact percentage, but a diminishing percentage of men as above average attractiveness. It might be like one in five men are above average, right? Okay. Which is mathematically possible if you do averaging in terms of like, like if there's a gap, but it's probably not actually accurate. Whereas men rate about half of women above average, mm. right? Um, but it speaks to what we're talking about, where, there, where, there's, where there's a greater degree of pickiness. Um, I wouldn't, I think nowadays people read too much into the kind of women being more picky, but it is interesting that socially it's more appropriate. I, I'll say this. I think that if I had to guess, and this isn't my area of expertise, if I had to guess why it's more socially appropriate, I think that historically women have put up with more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply body shaming related stuff, right? Just over the past maybe century. Um, and so there's been this kind of insulation against it where it's like, hey, we're more than that, da, 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 the body positivity movement. Like they've really kind of stood up for themselves and been like, hey, we're actually, we're more than our bodies. Men, we really haven't done that. Like, if we, like I don't think any of us have really gotten riled up and been like, oh, you know, you're being shallow for only picking height. I don't think anyone's really made a stink. And maybe we should, maybe we shouldn't. Um, but but the fact is, is that I, I, I don't think we have. There's not really a vibrant body positivity movement run by men for men. Um, so I think it is more acceptable as a result. So if I had to guess, I think that's why it's more socially acceptable for a woman to be like, oh, I only date guys who are over this height. Um, you know, like, um, what do you call a man under 200 pounds, a woman, right? That kind of, <laughs> yeah, like th like those, those types of things. Um, but it's also, it's, it's funny because we're, it might also just be men's reaction is a little different. Like we're able to laugh at that and it doesn't actually, like, I don't it's think funny, any of us yeah. are over 200 pounds, but, but no. all of us are kind of chilling about yeah. hearing that kind of thing. Um, so it might be just for historical reasons. Um, we feel less bullied, but. Do you, f well, it's, it's such a good, that was a really good question. Do you feel like men should be more, well, I have two parts to it. To, should men be more selective maybe in comparison to how they are, or where they are now? Or at least more vocal. Yeah, about or express what they want. The true preferences of And physical. I feel like, oh, I can't express that because people are going to judge me. Probably and, not. You don't Probably think not. so? No, I feel like that would be bad. <laughs> in what I feel way? Like it's, I, feel like it, I feel like it would be bad if men started coming out and being like, da 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 da, -da these are my, like, I feel like it, it's, it throws off the dynamic, maybe. Well, it's like, just—it's just uh, life is already hard enough. Do we really have to, you know, start? I, 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 I mean, some of these, some of these, there are some, you know, men's podcasts um, I, out I, there I where they are doing about, that. Yeah, yeah. yeah um, and that's kind of where I'm, I think some of them are in Miami. A, um, are, but, a lot of them, actually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and um, and these guys, you know, <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, yeah. No, my answer is no. I don't think we should start okay, doing that because, okay. because in terms of like expressing, yeah. like, of, like strong preferences. Because when I see these guys on their on their podcasts, like, oh, I, w I would never date a woman. Da, 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 I'm da, not. Yeah, I'm not I'm saying just, that. Like, That's very I'm, extreme. Yeah, when I hear that kind of thing, I'm just like, oh my god, shut up. You know, like <laughs> so. So it's I. So I. I personally, I feel like it's kind of good that most men, at least in conversation, we're just like, yeah, honest, loyal, kind, and we move on instead of like. 
instead of going into the details of what actually is the criterion. Yeah, the, the only thing that kind of bothers me about it is um, because sometimes women would just drag a man because of maybe his height, for example. Yeah, and that's then, really unfair. And then they, that's where I kind of, so the then that's where I support that. Yeah. Because then it's like, okay, listen, if you have a preference, that's fine, but don't start talking shit about, Oh well, you he's probably got a little dick too because look at his size. Yeah. He's got little ass feet too, and it's like, all right, bitch, you weigh yeah, three hundred yeah. pounds. I know you're not fucking talking right. shit. <laughs> so I guess like that's kind of where I draw the line because it's like, hey, you know, everyone's I think is allowed to have preferences. Maybe we shouldn't talk about the physical yeah. um, uh, as men, but um, I also don't think it's right for a woman to then almost like degrade. Yeah, yeah put, the, put somebody else down. Sort of physical. Yeah, yeah I mean, they're not. You know, the last. Coke in the desert. Yeah, I think that the I think that the best thing for men is just to not be sensitive, and because we don't, we don't, we just don't, we just don't have to be, you know. Like if we if we can, but I I do agree with you that sometimes the line that gets drawn. Yeah, I mean sometimes you do see you do see in but this isn't. But the other thing is that this just isn't most women. Like most women do not roast guys for being short. Most women do not roast guys for being poor. Um, most women do not roast guys for like being uneducated or being stupid or being ugly. Like usually women are actually very polite, um, to these types, but I agree with you that in the circumspect cases where individual women are like just going off on a guy for being, you know, for being broke or something or being short, I do kind of feel like, okay, well at this point you're just bullying him. Like, it's like, you've already, you've already rejected the guy. Do you really have to like... Do you really have to like, you know, in, in our friend group, bring this information back and make fun of him like in the collect? Cause you know, like I'm generally my whole life I've been in like mixed gender friend groups sure. and it is kind of, it does feel like bullying when a girl like comes back from like rejecting a guy or being on a date that went poorly. And it's like, we all just make fun of him together. It's like, he's already been rejected and he did nothing wrong. You know? yeah, yeah, so I, I, I do agree to that extent. Do you think that there's probably like, I'm sorry. I don't know. Go ahead, go ahead. Do you think it's maybe like a self-esteem thing where they almost feel like they need to belittle the man in order for them to feel some sort of righteousness? I don't know. I mean, you, I think that you'd be better off asking. I, I would say next time a woman does that, just ask like, what, what are you achieving here? Cause the, here? Cause, yeah, yeah. Cause it would be like, cause that would actually, if you do that, if you, I would say if you ask in the right way, you'd actually get a very interesting answer. Yeah. I think that it would date back though, in terms of like, ult- and this is literally me speculating as a man and as someone who actually doesn't have that many women who do that, like in my extended social circle. So I, I really don't have much insight, but if I had to guess it's a signaling thing because, because a lot of human interaction is signaling. I feel like, maybe she has low self-esteem. And so if she's like able to rag on this guy for being short or being broke or something like that, that boosts her up in other people's Mm, eyes. You know what I mean? Like, it's like, it goes back to what we said earlier about like, um, some women say they only date guys over six feet, but in practice, you know, you're out at the bar with them and it's like, okay, well you're talking to that guy who's five, eight for like half an hour, you know, it's fine. Like, you know, you don't actually care that much. You just said you cared in front of your friends because that's cool. Um, I think it might be kind of like being like, oh, I don't date broke boys or whatever. That might be a way of signaling to your other female friends that you're high status. And so it comes, I would say that it might come from a place of insecurity. And that also might, might be a reason to just, you know, um, you know, be merciful when Leave someone, when someone, yeah, when someone's, when someone is being mean, cause it's like, well, what's happening in their head that they feel the need to do that. You know, I, I'm all, I'm all for compassion, even even in those guys. Yeah, Paula says more about you than about me. You know, yeah. you're gonna be that way. Yeah. Do you feel like women are? Huh? You got a two part question. I'm sorry. 
You know, you could no, no, no. You feel like because you had said something that women are tend to be more selective than men. Do you feel like biologically they have to be because well now they're trying to find a mate to reproduce and then now if they reproduce with the wrong mate. And they might be in a, at a disadvantage from yep. a biological perspective. Because men, like, okay, like, you can reproduce. And then if something's wrong, you can just kind of leave. Reproduce with somebody else. Yep. Women are, you know, they, they have there's certain commitments that they have to obviously enter. Yeah, that's, that the, that's, that's the kind of second part of, that's kind of the second part of what I was saying. Yeah. Is, is just that, and I'm glad you brought this up. Women are pickier than men, and they have every right and reason to be. Because mating is higher stakes for women than men. Yeah. Right. Right. If a, so, there there's some there's some physical facts here. Um, women are more likely to just because of just because of the mechanics of the reproductive biology involved. Women are more likely to contract STDs and STIs. Right. So, sex itself Sorry. is riskier. Second, um, pregnancy. This is this is kind of the elephant in the room in mating. Yeah. Is the fact that a man has the option, and this is that we're talking about in our ancient past, men had the option to seduce and abandon mates, right? In a way that women didn't necessarily because women's investment in offspring is obligate mm -hmm. to an extent. So pregnancy and lactation, those are things that are obligate investments, meaning that biologically they couldn't have been avoided at that time unless you were going to abandon the baby. Um, whereas men's investments were not obligate per se, right? They might've been socially obligate. We might want them to do that, but they could abandon it. Now, what does that lead to from a selective perspective? How does that change men's and women's underlying biology? Well, it means that when men are mating, they're taking less risk, right? Because if things go south, they can leave at any time, right? But if things go south for a woman, she might already have a baby on board. And it's like, oh, I got to stick this out. Yeah. And so when women are in the initial state, this is one of the reasons that most women won't just sleep with anybody, right? Makes Whereas sense. many men actually will, right? So right. women tend to be sexually more selective. They tend to want more decision-making time before these things. Um, and then within a relationship, they tend to be you know, more likely to end the relationship, more likely to make decisions regarding switching mates. And it's because they have to be more picky. So I totally sympathize with it. It, it, it does go back to... Um, underlying biology and like it's easy for men to see these statistics of like oh women are pickier gosh I wish I was a woman they have it so easy but it's like not really because <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. it's yeah. like there's there's a reason that they're pickier and it's and the, the reason is costs real costs it's actually it's it's from from a biological perspective um, in and in this way um, men do have it quite easy because we can mating is lower stakes for us. That oh, damn it, it's such a good point. It makes so much sense. And and the, the first time I came across that was, and I think I sent it to both of you guys. Was a study uh, in terms of that apparently men they don't really get over heartbreak as quickly as women versus women they do move on faster. And part yeah. of it is also because well they have, they have higher stakes. Like well I can't be with this person and say it doesn't work out or whatever. I'll have to find somebody else because reproducing more commitment, more responsibilities. And I guess that kind of ties into it as well. It, it does. He, that scientist was using the same framework. I, d I did read the study you sent yeah. me. Um, so it looked like in his pilot study, it suggested that men might take longer, um, but that was, it may, might take longer to get over breakups. Right. Um, and again, the effect sizes were actually quite small, meaning that it wasn't like the sex difference isn't a huge deal. 
um, like some of the some of the news articles that we were looking at, right? Like the headline is yeah, like, yeah, they yeah. always do this, right? Like so when when I get sure. when I get interviewed by the paper or whatever, um, I, I I'm always on the phone with them like don't do like this. Like I've I've literally called journalists back and been like please change this headline because they always do this like sensationalist like right. crazy clickbait thing. It's like oh I didn't even say that. Um, and and in that case it's like in the interview that scientist was like, you know, some men, some men may never get over heartbreak, right? That can right, happen. Right. And that's and obviously like, true. And then the headline is <laughs> scientist says men never get over heartbreak. And it's like, okay, he said like, some, sometimes. Right? <laughs> yeah. So, but the, but the, the science, the science of it, his pilot study did suggest and it, it, that maybe men take longer to get over it. Right. But the real interesting finding for me was that, and this absolutely relates to our conversation yeah. was that women generally had a harder time with breakups, right? They had more physical symptoms, more emotional symptoms from a breakup. Right. Um, so if a breakup happens, it hurts more. Um, and here's another interesting fact from his study that's kind of counterintuitive if you think about like stereotypes. As women get older, they get more upset by breakups. And the theoretical framework that might explain this is the fact that as a woman, your reproductive window Time. is shorter. Time. Yeah. And so each breakup is a bigger waste of your precious time. Mm. This is another reason why women's mating is high. I mean, I have tons of sympathy for kind of the women's side of the equation in terms of dating and relationships. And one of the reasons I do is because they have a time pressure that men simply don't have as intensely. Yes, male fertility and genetic quality declines with age. That's true. But it doesn't hard stop in the same way that women's does and it doesn't decline as precipitously as women's does so what we see is that and this is just one study but it's a large study i believe it was 96 countries um and several thousand participants yeah. it's like five thousand seven hundred participants correct um it, this study suggested that women are more upset by breakups than men and as they get closer to menopause they get more and more upset by each breakup which makes sense yeah. from a it reproductive sense, biology yeah. perspective. Like if you're if you're a 23-year-old woman and you get dumped or have to dump your boyfriend because he cheated on you, right? Or or you know, you just want to move on, whatever. It's like, okay, I'm 23. I've got time. Yeah, it's I'll fun. find someone else. <laughs> if you're 34 and you go through a breakup with a guy who you know you were hoping to reproduce with, that's devastating. It's oh, like, yeah. oh my gosh, it's like I've got to start I'm 34 years old. I've got to start searching. Right? How long does it take to find a good man? Right. How long does it take to vet a good man to the point where you're like ready to reproduce with them? Um, and then how long does it take to actually reproduce? Right. Like it, it's not like conception happens first try. It's like, sure, it, sure. It, like I, I think it, I think it's 85% of couples get pregnant within the first year. So, you know, like, you know, close to one in five of them or one, one in six of them are not able to in the first year, it takes longer than a year. So it's like, in just in terms of timing, Going through a big breakup as a 34-year-old woman, that's clock reset in terms of finding a mate and then vetting a mate and then actually reproducing with a mate. It's like even if everything happens perfectly, that's like that's got to be a three-year process, right, Jeez. at least. Yeah, yeah. And the clock is ticking. So so if it's not quick, that, that's a big deal. 34-year-old man, it's like it's not ideal, right? It is, it is still upsetting. But realistically, there are men... There are men who, you know, who men men can date have the option to date younger in a way that women do not if they want to reproduce. Um, and so, men's reproductive relationships are are under less of a constraint. And also, there's just the there's just the simple fact that women are more willing to date older 
um, than men are generally. Um, so if older men have more options relative to older women. Um, so yes, yeah, so, so dating, dating, especially reproductively oriented dating, which, which most dating is, um, most people want to have kids. It's, it, I, I would say that it's, I would say that it's tougher to be a woman. Yeah. Overall, there are some things that are tougher than uh, about being a man. Like uh, the competition is a little more vigorous sure. um, and the selective process is a little more harsh. Like you have to go through more rejection. Um, yeah. But I would say overall, um, if I had to respawn right now, I would, I would definitely repick being a male in terms of just like you'd ease pick, of reproduction. You would pick a man again. You would be a man. You would, if you had to start over. Yeah, because I think, I think that women do have it really hard in this respect. I, 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 it, just from a pure mating perspective. Yeah. I I, that, the way you just laid it out, it makes perfect sense. I yeah. never even thought of it that way, actually. Yeah, and, and it also makes sense because, um, and this is also a little bit more on the red pill side where they say that younger women usually will date up just like you said but more so because there's also a, a tie to more success more experience more yeah. um they're more settled resources. down more resources they're just in an overall better position especially financially in order to support um whereas yeah so then men would kind of choose and just like you said that they have the option to date down yeah. so i almost feel like maybe like what you would you would think that maybe like as an older woman like the options or like the pool shrinks yeah it does it does, um, but I will. Uh, I'll say a few things on this. The red pill guys have this kind of revenge fantasy where it's like, "Oh, you won't date me now in your twenties, but yeah. in your thirties, just you wait." And it's like, okay, women in their thirties are doing fine. Like if you look, your women are much less likely statistically to be single in their thirties versus their twenties, right? And the average age of marriage in terms of median is twenty nine for women. Yeah, right. It's it's about twenty nine. It depends on. UK, Australia, right, right, Canada, right. Okay, US, okay. but around 29, which means that half of women, the uh, median, so half of women are getting married at an age older than 29. So women in their 30s are, are definitely doing fine, but you're right that, that, the, that the options, the options do seem to decrease for right. single women in their 30s. Even though most women in their 30s aren't single, single women in their 30s do seem to have options decrease. In terms of the dating older, I'll also just note that it's actually... One thing that these red bill guys talk about, which is very misleading, and it seems deliberately misleading, is they say like, oh, to young men, they'll say, oh, don't date in your 20s. Just focus on grind, your money hustle. and wait. Yeah, grind, hustle, wait. The girls will come. To me, I just read that as intrasexual competition. They're trying to suppress competition from younger, handsomer rivals. Because while women do prefer older men, in the West, they prefer slightly older men. And if you look at statistics on who women find most physically attractive, we see that generally women up until about 30, they find men who are a year or two older, most physically attractive. And then 30, it kind of stabilizes. And by 40, the trend has consistently reversed and younger men are actually considered most physically attractive right, right, right. by women as well, right? So, so, so they have this... I don't know if it's a genuine delusion or if it's, or, or like if they've genuinely misunderstood the research. Um, but they, but they give out this impression that men's options just get better and better and better as we get older. The truth is they do not. Um, and their whole idea of like, Oh, don't date in your twenties guys. It's like for most guys, that's actually the easiest time they'll have dating for their whole life. You know, like, like especially mid to late twenties as a man, it's like, that's, that's golden. Um, in terms of, in terms of options. 
Yeah. But don't you think that, because let's say if I'm in my mid-20s, but let's say I, I'm a broke college kid or, or you know, uh, in school or whatever, I don't have money, I don't have, I don't really have shit going, I'm working and whatever, but then later on, let's say I'm in mid-30s or even 40s, if I have the resources, I'm successful, wouldn't you think that I'd be more desirable? Yeah. And especially you if you take care of yourself. You would, right? but you would, but I'll, but I'll just kind of throw in, so I do, I do research on infidelity, and one thing we see is that one thing we see that's unfortunate is that a, a good portion of women will mate with one guy for resources reasons. Okay. Right. And th this is, this is based on um, unpublished recently done research that we will, we will publish soon. Um, and which I've discussed on, on other forums. Uh, we, we, you know, we presented at um, the uh, uh, EBA conference um, in London Basically, what our results showed is that we spoke to over 100 women who had had affairs, right, who had cheated, um, and we, we spoke to them about, we surveyed them about why they did it, um, and we had them rate the attractiveness of their partner, the person they're with, and the person they cheated with, right? And we also had them rate the person's desirability as a co-parent and the affair partner's desirability as a co-parent. And you can think of desirability as a co-parent, a lot of that is going to be resources, Right. Because a guy with more money, if you're going to if you're going to marry a guy and like raise have him raise your kids, take care of your kids. Yeah. You want him to have money. Right. You want him to be a provider. And what did we see? Well, we saw that. On average, there appeared to be a bias towards the parenting ability of in pair mates in women who cheated. And most women don't cheat. But among women who cheat, they seem to prefer the parenting ability of the guy that they were with and the physical attractiveness of the guy that they were having an affair with. So so I think nearly twice as many women in our sample preferred the physical attractiveness of the guy they were having an affair with over the guy who they were actually dating or married to. Now, how is, the, how is this relevant to what you're saying? You can do that mating strategy of just like, I'm going to get my money together and I'm going to wait until I'm 40. And then once I have all this money and status, then I'll, then I'll get a girlfriend, right? Mm -hmm. But the physical, if you're, if you care about having a woman who, you know, being in a relationship with a woman where she genuinely desires you, genuinely wants you, you're, you're missing out on that. And I would say most likely risking, putting yourself at a higher risk of infidelity um, by delaying things. Um, and we also see a lot of these guys who do want to wait until four. And again, I'm not disagreeing with you that you'd be more attractive, broke, loser, 24-year-old. Yeah, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. Broke, loser, 24-year-old versus like <laughs> super stud, 35-year-old. Yeah. yeah. But another thing we see, if you care about longevity, larger age gaps, at least in the West, are correlated with marital dissolution. And it oh, starts, yeah. the effect seems to start after just a couple of years. So ideally, you would want to be the same age as your partner. And that's kind of all the more reason to, as a man, at least consider putting yourself on the same reproductive pacing as a woman. Um, because, I, again, you don't have to. You still have that backup plan of having yeah, a longer yeah, sure, sure, sure. runway. But in if you're someone who's serious about getting married and having kids, it might be wise to at least first go around, stick to people your own age, um, and see if you and see if you can make it work at the time, um, because we do see that people who marry people their own age, um, especially as they get you know into their late 20s, early 30s, that kind of window, those people tend to have the most marital success overall. Um, 
So he's saying if I'm like in, in, in an older age in life and I meet somebody who's younger, like early 20s, I'm let's say I'm in my 40s or late 30s, the chances of me getting cheated on is higher than if I was to. Okay, so there's no there's no research directly showing that that I'm aware of. Okay. And, I, and, I'm, and I, I, I really do keep my ear to the ground on the infidelity literature. Right, right, right. I did speak to a matchmaking company anecdotally. These are people who, you know, make pair bonds for a living right yeah, yeah. They, they take these very and oftentimes it's very wealthy men who want younger women and <laughs> one thing that they said to me they're like look i won't say the name of the company but one thing that they did say to me they were like look a lot of these older guys they come in they want younger women we match them up and then you know never works she she ends up hooking up with the gardener right <laughs> like it's like you know what i mean like it's like it's like we it's like we put them together and then she ends up breaking his heart yeah. um so that's that's an anecdotal sure. point right, yeah, but yeah. in terms of a data point I'm kind of combining, and, and it is a jump, so, uh, so I would like the research to be done. Do women in these age gap relationships, are they more likely to cheat? Curious that, to be, know. It would be an, yeah, would be an yeah, interesting research question. question. Anecdotally, it, it does seem plausible. And yeah. it's plausible when you combine it with my research and my lab's research, um, or the lab that I'm part of's research, um, where we see that women, most women who have affairs are having affairs with guys who they find more physically attractive. And then if you look at like what age guys do women are women most attracted to? Um, I, I think for like, for, for example, a 25 year old woman, who does she find most physically attractive? It's like a 26 year old man. Yeah. It's same, not a, same yeah, it's, not a, it's not a 29 year old man even. So like a 35 year old man to a 25 year old woman, that's a big gap and then if you think back to like i guess i would also encourage you to just think back to when you were 20 right like how old 30 seemed right like 30s (laughs) yeah 30 (laughs) seemed ancient and so i so most uh, you know i mean i'm not saying i'm not saying don't date younger like i i really don't have any agenda against age gap relationships as long as there's, as long as everyone's consenting and everyone's, you know, of age and everyone's happy in the relationship, there's no like weird power thing going on. I don't see a problem with it, but just in terms of like life advice, if I was talking to a 20 year old man and it's like, okay, well, what's your mating strategy? If he's saying, I want to reproduce, right? My advice would not be, oh, just stack your bread until you're 35 and then start looking. It would be like, all right, well, dating is a skill. Start dating now. Mm. Um, Cause you're going to, you're going to have to learn a lot. Um, and learning it later is harder. I think it's in, it's, uh, cause one of the things you said of, uh, when they, when they were asking the, the, the women in the relationship of why they had affairs, oh, yeah. I feel like, um, would you, would you then say, um, that the men that were being cheated on, were they, you had said like maybe the physical aspect that that's probably what they were lacking. Why the reason is that they went and had the infidelity, had the affair. But what if they probably prioritize more of their actual physical health? Because I guess we can say maybe stereotypically or maybe historically, however you want to be societal. Um, as you get older, you almost start, you know, maybe letting yourself go. You gain a little bit of weight. We're obviously very active. I know you're also very active. How old are you, by the way? 25. Oh, my God. You don't know shit about life. I know. I know. I know. Every, literally every single podcast I do at some point, they ask me that. I'm like, fuck, I'm caught. Yeah, me, I had no idea. But let yeah. me tell you. But let me tell you. So, and do you, do you still box, by the way? Uh, when I was a teenager, I used to box. Do you exercise still or you just don't? Yeah, of course. So a quick break to talk about our sponsorships. 
AG1. We just got a, a partnership with them, and it's been amazing. Uh, how's it been going for you? Man, AG1 is awesome. I've been taking it for a little bit over a month now. We both have. And first thing in the morning, it's super quick to take. It's it's a kind of all-in-one package. Uh, you, it's a powder form. It makes the water nice and cold, good, good tasting, and uh, it gives you everything you need. helps you with energy. helps you with with your gut, health, and immune system. I mean, overall, it's a great product. Yeah, my favorite thing is I, I take it in the morning as soon as I wake up. That way, on my way to the gym, um, I'm already getting the the fuel that I need. And one yeah. thing that I really like about it is that it doesn't upset my stomach as it would if I'm taking a whole laundry list of vitamins. Yeah. So it really starts my day with literally everything that I need to, to get right. And what I like about it is that as soon as I take it in the morning, it's almost like a mental check for me to say, you know what, I'm doing something for me. Because I know that, I mean, if you think about it, you wake up in the morning, you go you just go straight to work, you don't really eat anything. So it's like you don't have anything in your system. At least with this, you know that the first thing that you do every single day is that you're taking care of yourself. It's a full replacement of all these other vitamins and minerals and everything that you could be buying individually that's going to cost you an arm and a leg. So for literally one price, you're literally getting a full array of nutrition in a pack, in a scoop, whatever you want to do. And fortunately for us, we do have the sponsorship that with AG1, it not only are you getting like the whole the whole subscription yeah. of it, but we're also including five travel packs as well as a year supply worth of the vitamin D. For sure. So and that's the, pretty awesome. Yeah, the vitamin D or the drops. So you can just take one or two or three or four drops depending on how much uh, you want to take. And you just, in the morning too, super quick. And what I love about the fact is there's not a bunch of pills that you have to take, which is what you were exactly. saying earlier. It's just like one scoop, a couple of drops, and that's it. Ready to go. Yeah, and, and I've also noticed that just throughout the day, I just... I. I don't know if it's a, like in my head that I'm taking it or, or if it's the fact that it's actually working, but I want to believe that it is because I feel amazing when I'm doing it. I feel more efficient. I feel like my stomach is also responding better to things when I eat. Mm, yeah. uh, my energy levels are also better. And again, it just, it really sets the tone for the rest of the day when I take this. So fortunately for us with this partnership, um, if you want to take ownership of your health, you know, try AG1 and get a free one-year supply of vitamin D and five free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Um, in order to do so, go to drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Again, that's drinkag1.com slash the coffee breakup. Check it out. Okay, yeah. so so as you get older, you seem like a man who's still going to be on top of your physical health, which is obviously yeah. going to translate to your longevity. Well, hopefully, you know, as, as your health overall, everything. Yeah. Um, I would assume that you would still also carry the physical aspect as well. Wouldn't you be probably less likely to find yourself? Yeah, I mean, father time is undefeated, though. I mean, it's like you, you're like, you're, you're everyone's going to age, and nobody is, or very few people are going to look better as a result, right? Like, there are some celebrities who like seem to like get better as they get older, right? Um, True, but, but I'm saying almost like I'm sorry, but it's almost like imagine because when you see someone who, let's say, an actor who's probably in their 40s, you're like, oh yeah, I can see that. But then when you see an actor who you know that's in their 40s, but then they like jacked or they're in shape yeah. and they take care of them. Look at a Mark Wahlberg. Look at a Matthew McConaughey when he was doing his uh, Magic Mike stuff. You look at them and you're like, obviously it's the movies and it's a, yeah. you know, the Hollywood whatever. But you look at them and it's like, man, it's not only is he an older guy has good resources, sure, but he also sure, takes sure. care of himself as well. Yeah. When you compare that to probably your typical 40, 50 year old, I mean, there's two completely different type of the ball game at that point. Yeah. There's hope. Um, I would say, <laughs> I would say that I, here's what I would say in terms of the infidelity stuff. I, I would say that, yes, it would probably be an insulating factor to, cause the way we measured it was we, we said rate. So, well, we had a, we had an instrument. It, it was the, um, 
it, it was the interpersonal attractiveness scale, which we mod- which we modified. So it's so it's you know it's been validated. It's reliable. It, it, it's a good measurement instrument. And we had them rate how attracted they were to their primary partner versus their affair partner. So basically, score one through seven on items like he was very sexy looking, right? So questions like that. So it's measuring okay. how attractive they find. And we found a trend where most women seem to prefer their affair partner. So if you raise your rating, right, if you make yourself more attractive, maybe that would insulate you against affairs. I, I think that's plausible. Um, but I would also just, in terms of the qualitative data, where we asked women just point blank, it's like, well, what what happened here? Like, why, why did you have an affair? Some of them did say it was because this other guy is more attractive. Okay. But, you know, a lot of them also cited other problems with the relationship. And so I would say that most women don't cheat. If you really want to guard against infidelity, um, yeah, it would be good to look your best. But it would also be good just to keep the relationship healthy overall. So you had said something earlier, when I, and it kind of surprised me. You had said when you did the studies with the woman that they who, who were cheating and the reason— um, I always thought that women tend to cheat because more of an they're lacking in their current relationship, their intimate, intimate or the the emotional connection. So they cheat because they feel like they have no, they're not close to their partner anymore oh, emotionally. I, yeah, not because of any physical. I know. Is that is there? Is that so, true? It's so funny because that's what everyone says, and then that's what women often say themselves. But then we measure. So we measured it. It's like we we also had them rate the personality. Of their affair partner versus oh, okay. their primary partner. No difference. No, no preference. No right? way. So it wasn't personality. And we also had them rate their overall mate value, right? How good of a guy is this overall? Again, uh, no difference. In fact, I think, uh, well, I, there, there, there might have been a slight difference, but it wasn't statistically significant in any case. So basically, no difference. Okay. okay. Um, it was, we found two effects. It was who's a better parent, right? Who's a better parental candidate? Who do you want to raise kids with, right? So we had them agree or disagree with statements like, oh, it would be impossible to raise a kid with this man. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Right. So agree or disagree, one through seven scored items like that. And what did we find? Well, we found that women uh, generally really preferred their primary partner as a co-parent. Um, and then most women seemed to prefer their extra pair partner physically. So yes, in our qualitative data, there were emotional reasons cited and there were, we, we've tested men as well and emotional reasons were often cited in men, but the scores are interesting, aren't they? Because that's more, we can't, it gets around the social desirability bias a little bit. Um, so we, we, we talked about earlier how someone might say like, Oh, I want someone who's honest, kind, loyal. (laughs) I'm not, I'm not doubting anyone, but just motives wise, if, if it's like, why did you cheat? It sounds better to be like, oh, you know, I wasn't, it's an emotional <laughs> oh. thing. I was, we were going through a real rough <laughs> patch. Did that sounds a lot more convincing than, oh, this guy was really hot. <laughs> yeah. Really? Yeah, it sounds yeah, a little, just, it sounds like a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. It, makes you, it makes you less of a villain. And what did we see? It's like in our, in our measurement, there were some women who said, explicitly like oh he was really hot 
Um, yeah. I mean, I will say though that in talking to men, um, we got very similar results. They preferred the parenting of their in-pair partner and the physique of yeah. their, their physical attractiveness, physique, the physical attractiveness of their affair partner. So we found the same effect in men. Um, but in the qualitative data, men were much more likely to just be straight up and say that it was a physical thing. Now, this might be a social desirability thing. Um, it could also be a genuine difference where it's like there's an underlying bias for physical attractiveness, but that's not really the cause per se, right? So it's possible It's possible that the primary motive for cheating is actually because you want to end the relationship, let's say, or because you're, you're feeling emotional dissatisfaction. But if you're going to have an affair, biases emerge, such as a bias for physical attractiveness and affair partners. That's possible. But we did see in the men in our sample, a lot of them saying it was a physical attractiveness thing. And a lot of them, much more, much more men than women, said that it was a variety thing, um, which was interesting. That is interesting. It wasn't surprising. Um, we actually expected it based on the results of other studies. So it was nice to see it pop up. Um, but a lot of men were like, look, love my girlfriend, but... You know, I remember one guy said, you never have just one type of woman. That was his explanation for why he cheated. I'm pretty, I mean, it's an anonymous, it's an an anonymous thing. (laughs) So you can say whatever, um, but that's, but that, (laughs) people trying to to find out who it is. No, it was very, very, very secure. It was an online study that where we really vetted participants, guarded everything. Um, But that's the, um, that was one sex difference that did emerge. The, the main sex difference with cheating, though, isn't that. I actually think that men's infidelity and women, women's infidelity is a lot more similar than people think. Really? Um, even, yeah, even like people in the evolutionary the literature. Really? I think it's more similar than people think. But one big difference, men cheat more than women. And men cheat a lot more impulsively than women. So. Ah. But women is more premeditated, No. They have like uh, yeah yeah well, coworker no not yeah. so much coworker or they'll say that well women are more emotional creatures so if they're gonna cheat it's it's typically gonna be with a part with someone that they've already had some sort of emotional investment yeah. whereas a man would just be like oh she's fucking hot I met her yeah. at the bar so yeah, no, but yeah. God, it's fucking hard yeah. yeah so that's uh, that's a really I mean it's kind of, I mean that is <laughs> yeah. what we 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 had data like that in our study for sure like there were men who were just like you know i was out of the bar she was hot she was down and so that's that's what happened that night but we also had women in our sample like that i will say that there's the the idea that there's a sex difference in kind of overall emotionality that's something that comes up a lot but i don't i don't necessarily think it's true i think that it would be that that appears to be true in some cases but it really goes back to the selectivity thing like mating is just higher stakes for women and infidelity is also higher stakes for women so if you're a guy and you cheat the worst case scenario real just realistically in the west worst case scenario you get dumped and everyone finds out about it and kind of thinks you're a bad dude right Mm -hmm. just being straight up worst case scenario if you're a woman and you cheat you get murdered Right. Like that's the actual worst case scenario. And it's not that unrealistic. Like we see domestic violence, domestic abuse. We see that these things correlate very tightly um, with infidelity. It's, it's, It's often a super aggressive response to perceived infidelity. And so one of the reasons we might see a sex difference in infidelity, right? So we, we just know that men cheat more than women. Like the, you can, no matter how you measure it, people say, oh, it's, you know, difference in self-report. Maybe women lie more, da, 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 da. Yeah, but then it's like, well, well, men also don't report getting cheated on as much as women report. Getting, also, like it's like from every perspective. And also men, rep- men are less likely to report um, sleeping with someone who has, uh, like, it's just like 
it's happening less. Women are cheating less. And one of the reasons that women might cheat less is because it's just historically, from an evolutionary perspective, it's just a more dangerous strategy because men are fucking dangerous. I also feel like, um, cause we can always, we can also look at it as, um, and you had said it earlier, how men were kind of used to rejection a little bit more. Like it's just kind of how we go through when it comes to work, when it comes to women, whatever it may be. You think that maybe when there is another woman that finds us attractive, it, it almost makes us feel like, mm. man, like I, there's actually another one. Whereas mm. almost women are more, where women where women they'll be like oh you know like they, I always get approached these guys are so annoying look at my DMs yeah, yeah, like yeah. they they almost have um, well even like historically men kind of are the ones that go up to the women mm. they're the ones that ask them out mm. so again ties into the whole rejection aspect so when we find a woman that does reciprocate it's almost like I don't get these too often. Yeah, that's funny. That's that, that's interesting because that could be true, uh, especially in individual cases, that it's it's kind of the ego boost that's pushing them over the edge mm. um, or they're just not used to fielding options and so they don't know how to decline effectively. Yeah. It's, it's interesting that you, you talked about women saying, um, oh, you know, I always get hit on. It's so annoying. Oh, look at my DMs. It goes back to the signaling thing um, because the, there's, there's, very, there's very few things. It might be distressing, but there's very few things more attractive than someone with options, right? Because that's a very, think about this from an evolutionary perspective. If you're picking mates and everyone wants this one person, it's like, okay, everyone else is also doing the same decision-making game as me and they're <laughs> all choosing this person. They must know something I don't know or know something that I'm about to find out. And so, you know, as people, um, women and men, it's like if you're getting hit on a ton, uh, th- and you advertise that, that definitely raises your main value. This is a great conversation. Um, I wanted to, because speaking of this subject, um, when it comes to like monogamy, in terms of what you've studied and what you've come across, a lot of people say, well, humans, we're not really designed to be monogamous. You know, we're not supposed to be with one person for the rest of our life. What are your thoughts on that? And, and is there any science to back this up? That, as far as you know. Monogamy at least serial monogamy is the normal mating pattern for humans. And I would say normal is as close to natural as you can get. Okay. Uh, so, but we're also animals. Yeah. But, but many animals are monogamous also. So penguins. Yeah. Penguins. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. 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 No, 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 no. Yeah. yeah, that's correct. There are, there are, there are many monogamous penguins, many yeah. monogamous birds in general, monogamous mammals and we're mammals. Monogamous mammals are a little less common, but there are monogamous mammals, right? There, there's, our closest monogamous, 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 <laughs> our closest uh, monogamous relative uh, are the gibbons. So they're they're a species of ape that swing through the trees. Da, 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 da. Um, they've got like these really long, goofy arms, um, oh, yeah. and they actually so they they'll sing duets with each other. Um, so pairs will sing duets. So they're they're singing apes, and they'll they'll it doesn't sound that great. They'll sing together, and it's like, well, why are they singing together? And some people think that. It's to broadcast the strength of the pair bond. So it's to say, hey, just so everyone knows, just so everyone in the forest knows, we're dating. We're official, right? And I kind of think like humans do a lot of similar things, like posting each other on Instagram. I view that as like the human gibbon duet, right? Where it's like you're broadcasting the strength of the pair bond. It's like, hey, everybody, we're still dating. Nobody try to steal my girl, but also nobody try to poach me. It's like you guys are both in an agreement. It's like, uh, we're not cheating. Um, That's kind of the the signal or we're not looking for other options at least. Um, But anyway, so you were asking about, um, you were asking about monogamy. Yeah. 
most people live in monogamous cultures, meaning they're, they're cultures that only really acknowledge monogamous unions, monogamous marriages. All cultures have marriage. Many cultures allow for various forms of polyamory. Uh, there are a few that allow polyandry. That's when a woman marries multiple men. These are uncommon. Um, and there are many that at least allow for um, you know, polygamy, uh, a man having multiple wives. But even in those societies that allow other options, the vast, vast majority of people end up being monogamous. Our psychological adaptation to monogamy, love and jealousy, right? These are very single person focused emotions, right? So, so it's possible to love multiple people at once, but that's really not the normal human experience. Like, you know, as someone going through the world, falling in love, meeting people, da, 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 most of us won't find ourselves in the position where we love multiple people. So we have these, and then also jealousy, most of us won't find ourselves in the position where yeah. we're jealous of multiple people, right? We're only jealously, jealously guarding one person at a time, typically. So, so let's look at the kind of collection of evidence here. We see that most people live in monogamous cultures. So most people in the world, most, most in terms of cultural spread, monogamous groups seem to be the norm. In non-monogamous groups, groups that allow for non-monogamy, most of people are monogamous anyway. Right? So that's a tendency towards monogamy. That suggests a tendency towards monogamy. Then you look at our psychological adaptations. We see jealousy. Right? We see romantic love. These seem to be pretty focused on one person at a time. And then we also see some, and, th and this is a little obscure, but it, but it is taken as strong evidence among anthropologists, which is just that human sexual dimorphism, all things considered, is actually quite low. Um, it's lower than our ancestors. And so it appears that there's been selection towards monogamy, right, in our lineage. So I wouldn't say, I would say that humans are flexible strategists. We can do many things, clearly, because yeah. we do many things. Sure, right? yeah, yeah. So it's clear that many things are possible. But I would say that our underlying tendency is towards serial social monogamy, meaning one person at a time, at least publicly. So there's infidelity. Infidelity sure, also sure. evolved, and that's that's that happens on the side, and we have adaptations towards that. Again, most people don't, at least in marriages, at least among Westerners, most people don't cheat. Um, but a lot of people do, and it do, and there are yeah. evolutionary reasons why. You had said something in a clip, and that's coming towards the end of our well, segment. Well, I'm not done. I got questions. Yeah, I okay. want to go over the video too. Yeah, no, no, we'll do that. Um, you had said something that there is a genetic disposition towards cheating. That it, it, yeah. there could be certain traits. Uh, so is that uh, what? Where is that coming from? Well, it's just, it's just, it's just a kind of an uncomfortable fact. Um, it's not necessarily something that. It's not something that I want to be true. I mean, I mean, I just, some, sometimes I feel like people are shooting the messenger. Um, but I guess we'll just start with this. First, logically, your brain is partially built by your genetics. And your brain is the quote-unquote command center. It's the thing making the decisions, right? You, some people would say you are your brain, right? That, that's a statement that I mostly agree with. That was largely forged by your genetics or largely preset by your genetics. So it would be weird if genetics had no influence on your behavior 
and infidelity is just another behavior. That's kind of the starting point, just theoretically, why would or how would genes, it's like genes code for proteins and regulatory molecules, and then these proteins and regulatory molecules impact what what you do, right? Like how how, you, how things are structured. So um, how, how your brain is built um, and what you do. So let's now get into, is infidelity genetic? How would you study this? Well, one way of studying this is to look at sets of twins. You can look at fraternal versus identical twins. So identical twins share 100% of their DNA. Fraternal twins share 50% of their DNA, but they both have the same nurture, the same house, right? The same, the same household. And so um, there should be a difference in likelihood of both of them committing infidelity or neither of them committing infidelity when there's more genes involved, right? And that difference in likelihood, the amount of variance that that additional 50% of genetic similarity explains for, that can be your genetic component to infidelity. So we have these massive twin studies um, where you look at the variance and you look at the genes and you say, okay, well, how much correlation is there? And you see that a lot of the variance actually is explicable by, by genetics. So most of the variance in male infidelity, at least in one sample, I, I believe it was Finnish twins. I think there were 7,000 of them. I'm not sure. It was a big study. Um, most of the variance in male infidelity in their sample was, expli- was explicable by genetics. And a large minority, um, over 30% of women's infidelity, variation in women's infidelity was explicable by genetics. Then you can also look at, and, and there's some controversy around these, but you can also look at candidate gene studies and say, oh, if someone has this copy of this gene, they're X percent more likely to have an affair. Um, and then you can also look at just kind of the anecdotal evidence. Um, it's not really anecdotal. It's more just purely correlational. Like there's not a lot of theory behind it, but we just see that if your father, if a man's father had an affair, he's more likely to have an affair. If a woman's mother had an affair, she's more likely to have an affair. It's partially going to be, you know, nurture probably, but nature has to play a role. It would be very strange. It would actually be very peculiar if, um, if genes had no influence, right? Because your genes can impact, um, I mean, mean, everything's heritable to some extent, right? Everything is heritable to some extent. And I'm not saying that we're just in kind of the prison of genetics at all. uh, And it's not an excuse for cheating, but it's just a simple fact that to an extent, extra pair behavior and extra pair desires are going to be heritable. Now that extent might actually be much smaller than it was in those studies in, you know, in whatever population it could be different, but I, I would be completely flabbergasted if there was a study where there was just no genetic influence. That would be, that would be bizarre. Interesting. Um, that is so interesting. I, I wanted to ask, um, because you also talked on, uh, I saw it also on your on your page of uh, body count. Yeah, mm. is there any what's what's kind of the general consensus of it? Does it matter? Does it not? Does there any correlation maybe yep. also with genetics as we're talking about this, or is it just kind of societal? Let's talk about body count. So there's two ways that you can say does it matter. One way you could say does it matter is do people care about it. Right. So on the mating market, okay. do people care about it? And we'll start with that and sure. then we'll go into the yep. kind of deeper question that you want. Because this is the simpler question. Do people care? We see that most people, when you ask them, they want an average-ish body count in their partner. Right. What is average-ish is kind of Goldilocks zone, a few to several. Right. So it's, it's, um, and uh, I, I think it's going to be a little, I think it's going to be a little higher in Miami. I don't know. Um, <laughs> but, but 
uh, anecdotally. Um, but you know, allegedly, allegedly. yeah, yeah, allegedly, <laughs> allegedly. But most people, when you ask them, if you go up to women and you're like, okay, what would be the ideal body count in a guy? Um, they, they won't say a virgin, right. And they won't say a hundred, right. They're going to say like a middling amount. Um, I can't remember the exact number, but I, but I believe it was around six, right. And then you ask men, um, and they say around, I, I believe it was around four. I'm not sure, but it was, it was an average ish count. Um, and it wasn't a huge but the other, the other thing is like, that's, that's the ideal, right? But if you ask someone like, if you ask someone, what, what does your ideal husband's salary, right? What's your ideal husband's salary? <laughs> they might say $2 million because you ask them for the ideal, right? Yeah. But in terms of who they'll date, they might date someone who's making 20K a year, right? Like it, it, it could be, it could be totally, My boy. <laughs> a more than that. it could be, it could be totally chill in practice. So that's, so it's, it's, so what the ideal is, it seems to be kind of an average ish amount, but in terms of how important it is. There's varying results, but it doesn't seem to be that important to most people. Uh, my, my friend Alexander, who's a graduate researcher, he did you know a, a survey of several hundred people, and it wasn't a representative sample, but it was it was quite interesting. Um, the result was basically most people, or or about half of people, don't ask um, body count, and then when they do ask, they're usually they've usually seen the person for quite a while by the time they ask, right? And if it was something that was very important to most people, it would be something that you'd ask early yeah. because you're if you're excluding people based on it, uh, then you look at who breaks up over body count. I believe it was men did care more than women. Men did care about it more than women, but it was a small portion of men. I, I believe ten percent of men in his sample had ever stopped dating anybody because of body count, and then the body count number was was relatively high. It was I, I can't remember the exact number, but it was over twenty. And then about 6% in the women of the women in his sample had d- stopped dating someone because of body count. So some women about, what is that? One in 20. Uh, I mean, it's probably not representative, so I wouldn't wedge yourself to any of these numbers, but uh, a, a minority, but not, not a non-existent group of women will stop dating people over their body count. Um, but again, it was, it was a relatively high number. Um, so I would say that most people seem to care about body count a little bit, but it's not that important. And they tend to want an average-ish number. And men and women tend to want a similar thing. They tend to want someone with an average-ish body count. So that's one version of how much does it matter. The other question of how much does it matter is how much does it predict behavior, right? Quite a bit. Uh, yeah, quite a bit. The con- the, quite a bit. The general yeah, it's not, it's not nothing. Um, so there was one study of um, over 1,000 Americans that looked at this. It was from the, um, it was from the IFS and, and they, they ran, I believe it was a thousand and one Americans actually, um, which is kind of a funny sample size. Almost sounds like, I don't know, book cover. Um, but in any <laughs> case, they asked them, um, they asked a thousand and one Americans about their body count and then they, they, their divorce, uh, like how divorced were they essentially? Um, I believe it was. And when they, sp- when they split the data in a convenient way, I believe it was, People with a body count under five were, and I really hope I'm just remembering this correctly because I'm, I'm completely, I'm coming up with numbers based purely off memory. So if I'm wrong, I'll send you guys a DM. Yeah, but yeah, sure. um, I believe it was risk of um, either risk of infidelity or risk of divorce. I can't remember which it was in this specific study doubled after a body count of five, right? So people above five men and women had a much higher chance of, um, of relationship issues, but that's just one study and you really shouldn't hang your hat on it. It's more that the collection of studies seems to show that people who are more sociosexually unrestricted, um, people who have more partners, that is, um, 
generally, people who have more casual partners specifically, um, tends to have more issues in long-term monogamous relationships. However, um, there, there are so many things that are important. There are so many exceptions. Uh, and I, I really don't think it would be wise. Mating is so complicated that I really don't think it would be wise to reduce your mating decisions to one variable such as that. Um, but it is a variable and anyone who says it's not a variable is just, you know, they're, they're either not aware of the data or they're, or they're making stuff up for political reasons. Um, which, which, I mean, it is what it is. I get it. And I get why you do that. Cause there are a lot of kind of weird misogynists online who are saying like body count, body count, body count. That's and they're only, gonna, yeah. yeah. And they're only saying it in relation to women, but in every study I'm aware <laughs> of on this topic, we see the same effects in men. Right, so it's like men with higher body counts are more likely to cheat. Men with higher body counts are more likely to get divorced. Men with higher body counts are less likely to be satisfied in their marriages. Though that's the suite of results that we're seeing in these studies. It's also showing those things for women, but conveniently, these kind of red pill freaks are like, oh, you know, it's uh, women, 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 um, and and it's not a mystery why. Uh, it's because they have they they have they have a, an agenda. They're not they're not scientific thinkers they don't they don't like um you know they don't like looking at evidence and coming to whatever decision the evidence shows they have an idea preconceived um and then they cherry pick whatever facts they want to sometimes from the same study to build whatever ideology they want it's just it's crazy that the obsession every time you watch one of those those snippets on social media it's like the body count body count and it's like i don't know why they're so fixated on how many people they've uh, the woman have slept with like, yeah you know, like I, I don't understand they're literally obsessed it's like they've gone if it's like they've got some kind of and it's also so boring i'm like who is watching this because the, the, so they're literally i'm like it's every exhausting. clip every clip is you <laughs> with a bunch of random girls same conversation yeah having they the same and it's a having audience. the same boring conversation where you're like <laughs> that all the time yeah, yeah where it, it's yeah. like it's, how many times do you have to say this? It's literally, it's like they know one fact and they just want to say it over and over and over again because they're they're not smart enough to hold multiple facts in their brain. It's like I've said it before. It's like, bro, like you could watch a clip from three years ago and it'll be the same conversation. Yeah. And then tomorrow you'll watch a new episode it's the same thing. And it's like, like there's so much more to life and relationships and dating and, and, and just happiness in general than that simple question that, Yes, you were saying it. There is obviously a correlation. It obviously has something to do with it. It is obviously a factor, but it's not the only thing to fucking life. No, it's not. Like, it's ridiculous. It's not. And they act like... They also have a lot of bad science associated with it. So, so one example. They say that having a higher body count breaks your pair bonding ability, right? I've heard of that. There's yeah. no evidence for that statement. They're, they're looking at, like, weird studies from prairie voles and combining it with, like some like circumspect um, human trial. Like it's really like they're grasping at straws to build this narrative and we don't really see it well evidenced. If I were to guess, I mean, it's possible that body count does have a causal effect, right? Maybe it's harder to settle down after you've seen more people, right? That's, that's pretty that's, reasonable. I think the argument. Um, yeah. And maybe, and maybe there is, maybe there is some biological impact. I don't know what the mechanism would be. Right? I have no idea. And they don't know either, even though they pretend to know. They're like, oh, it's pair bonding, breaking, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. It's like, you guys don't know that. They're like, you have no idea. <laughs> you guys are making stuff up. Um, but it's like, may- maybe maybe there is an impact. I would say, if I had to guess, it's probably it's probably a case of kind of illusory um, causation, where it's like, 
if you're the, think about this, if you're the type of person who loves sleeping with random people, lots of random people, and then you get married, that love, that desire to do that isn't going to go away. Sure. Right. So if that's your underlying personality type, it doesn't matter whether you actually slept with 30 people. What matters is that that's something that you desire. You desire lots of mates, right? Um, If you're the type of person who desires lots of mates, then you probably are more likely to cheat. And I would say the type of person who desires lots of mates is probably more likely to have a higher body count. So that's one example of where we could see causation or illusory causation, where it really isn't causal. Like even if that person had held themselves back and kept their body count low. Um, yeah. I mean, these guys give like the weirdest dating advice to women. It's like they, they say, don't get educated, even though educated women actually do better on the mating market. Right. Um, they say date much older, even though like marital satisfaction is higher in women who date the same age. Um, and then they say, keep your body count low when it's like, well, most guys don't care anyway. So it's probably not going to hurt you. It's like, yeah, maybe these red pill dorks won't want to see you anymore, but like there are people who will like for sure. I mean, there are people who, I mean, think about, think about all the women in your social circle. And also just like, if you, if you don't have lots of women in your social circle, just celebrities and people like that, it was like, they date lots of guys and then they settle down. And it's like whoever they settle down with is usually a pretty high status, fine guy. It's like it's it's really not going to be a huge issue. Um, and also there probably isn't I mean, I, I won't say probably there very plausibly is no causal relationship. It's like holding yourself back. If that's something you wanted to do, the, the wanting to do it is probably what's what's the issue. I mean, I think the body count conversation is, frankly, um, very tired, um, quite quite boring. Um, but the, but the things to add to it that they're not, um, the things that I would add if I were in the room is like, okay, same effects in men, not necessarily a causal relationship. That would be, that would be all I have to say on it that you haven't heard a thousand times from these. Yeah. Um, so I did want to wrap it up and now before I did do that, I did want to kind of flip a little bit because today we saw a clip that I would want to say it's more red pill for the man. is there a red pill for women? I guess. Does that it, exist? Is this what you texted me? Yeah. yeah. Oh, you showed it to him? I sent it to you. I guess you play it? it again. I did, yeah. Okay. yeah, yeah. If, so you guys want, if you guys want to play yeah, it. Yeah, let's yeah. play it together. That way yeah, we can yeah. get a quick refresh. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got your phone on you? Oh, you have it here? Oh, beautiful, beautiful. Okay. Oh, nice. You saved it, yeah. Beautiful, yeah. So make sure you have volumes up. You got a blast. Uh, a woman should be the dominant and a man should be the submissive that's yeah because y'all follow commands you go do you go do and she gonna tell you what to do because here's the thing if y'all don't have somebody telling y'all what to do y'all are going to be reckless and so women are divorcing y'all in these relationships because they are allowing you to quote unquote lead and they're being submissive. And since y'all can't lead yourself, y'all leading her into to the ground. So here's the thing. The natural order is for the feminine to be the leader. If you give to the feminine, right? The feminine is always going to regenerate life and everybody's going to be taken care of. Y'all are territorial. Y'all just want the image of leadership. You just want to be out in public. I'm the leader. But all of the responsibility is actually on the woman. The leader takes the majority of the responsibility. If women allow men, which means she submit, all right, and allow him to lead, she don't have no control over what he's going to do. She's steady submitting to him. 
Women have to change their minds and realize that they ain't supposed to submit to men because men just going to do what you allow them to do because they don't have no governor on their own behavior to know when to not do something, to know better. They don't know. They're just going to keep reckless, being reckless. And they're not going to take care of your feelings because they're only concerned about theirs. So Nagin, tell us. Well, I, I mean, I, I think uh, I think there's probably a market for uh, a female Andrew Tate. I think yeah, that, that would be, <laughs> that might be her. Hey, she <laughs> no, she's not. She's not. She's not that bad. Um, well, I don't know why everyone's talking about dating online. I never hear this in person. I only see it on the internet. All this like submission domination stuff. That's yeah, you, it's kind of weird. It's like like I he, I see guys online talking about like wanting wanting like a submissive woman, and even some women being like you know like the the natural feminine is submissive. And then you see this kind of backlash. I think it's just backlash to be honest. I don't even know if she actually believes this or if she's trying to like. But her saying like feminine is naturally dominant and man and male yeah. is naturally submissive. I mean, maybe she believes that, but, but I, I, I do wonder if that's like, if that's her kind of responding to like the weird red pill stuff saying the opposite. So mm. she's trying to compensate, um, which I totally understand the impulse. Um, I mean, I would have to talk to her to know exactly, um, what's going on there, but I would say that to think about a romantic relationship in terms of domination and submission is so strange to me. I mean, it's just not something that I relate to. I, I don't understand it or even not domination and submission, just like leader and follower. It's like, I do feel just in the romantic relationships that I've seen that it's kind of contextual. If someone's, if there's a situation where someone has to take the lead, it's kind of contextual who's taking the lead and it's, it's fine either way. I don't know of any relationship where the man is just completely in charge and, you know, totally dominant. Dictating. Yeah. I don't know any relationship like that. And then I also don't know any relationship that's the reverse. To me, it's like a romantic relationship is almost like, I mean, and, and I am speaking kind of anecdotally here, but it, but it's almost like a, a constant negotiation with another person where sure. you both have, you both have the ability to walk away, right? You can both walk away from the table. You can both say, oh, I'm not seeing you anymore. They can't force you to stay. Um, and you both have various, you know, kind of punishments you can levy and rewards you can give. And I, when I say punishment, some people are going to think, what is he talking about? I just mean like you can be like, le you know, less attentive. You can withdraw your attention. Um, you know, you, you, I'm not, I'm not saying like be unkind or anything like that, but everyone has these kind of pushes and pulls. They have their carrots and their sticks within a relationship. And it seems like both people kind of have power over each other. Um, I, I don't really, all this, all this, who's dominant, who's yeah. submitting, uh, that doesn't really vibe with me, and I don't really understand it. But I'd love, I'd love to hear you guys. Yeah, take. so I, I, I see what you're saying, where it's like you see it on social media, but is this really applicable in real life? Like, do people actually have those kind of relationships? Well, it's, it's what I opened up the conversation of how the media and yeah, social media it just yeah. wants to ride the the coattails of whatever's trending or whatever will yep. be viral, controversial. I, the, I, I think the way you've, you've, what you've kind of built up to it is, is it makes perfect sense because. If you're in a relationship, it's a partnership. Two consenting adults making decisions every day, depending for themselves, for their children, for their well-being. And it's not like this is the this is the only way, or one person makes all the decisions. It's a collective collectiveness of coming together and saying, "Well, this is I feel like this is best." And then you have a discussion. Well, maybe no, this is the way to do it. Mm -hmm. And some, depending on what it is about, maybe the man knows a little bit more, or in that particular instance, or maybe the woman will do. But I don't think it's like one shoe fits all. I don't think it's. A definitiveness of okay, all men have to lead and all men women have to follow. Like I feel like there's it's I don't think it's 
to that aspect. I think it's a partnership. It's two consenting adults making decisions together, not like, oh, they have to make all the decisions or she, he, she has to make all the decisions. I think it's kind of a, a backwards way of looking at it. Yeah, it's funny. I, I read some of the comments, though. Did you click on the comments I've at all? Did you, by any chance? Did I didn't know. Yeah. But uh, it's all women saying, oh, yes, 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 yes. And I'm like, uh. Just imagine if a man, well, I mean, we hear oh, that from it. a man as a red pill. And then what happens? Oh, he's a misogynist. He, all these other things. He disrespects women. But then we see now a woman with a very similar approach to it. And then you you see all the support of yeah. women. But I think the support is probably contextual. I think that a lot of those women in the comments, I, I didn't read the comments, but I bet you a lot of them, they're so sick of seeing these like oh, men yeah. saying the dominant, that uh, as soon as they see a woman say like, it, they're like, oh yeah. Yeah, they're yeah. like base, that's cool, I love it. But it's like, <laughs> if, uh, if she came out of the blue, like if there was no prior conversation, if that clip was like, there was no Andrew Tate, there was none of these red pill guys, yeah, none yeah. of that. And she just randomly was like feminine dominant. I feel like a lot of women would be like, what are you talking about? Mm. I would also just say like, I, I really liked your point about like different people take the different, uh, the lead contextually. I mean, I, I don't really like talking about my personal life on podcasts, but like, I can just think of my, my relationship with my girlfriend who I live with. We've been in for a while. Oh, and it's like, ask you, so yeah. yeah. And it's like, in terms of who's taking the lead on a scenario, it's like maybe if we're maybe ugh, what like there would there would be scenarios where I would basically always be kind of given you know like hey take like literally like getting through the airport or something I'd probably be the one given the reins. But there are also so many scenarios where I go to her and I'm like looking for her wisdom and her advice. That's what I'm saying. Um, strengths, like, I think there's strengths. Yeah, yeah. Like it's like I would be I can be pretty. Um, I can be pretty ham fisted in like complex social situations. Like I can make rash decisions and things like that. And so oftentimes, um, like if we're dealing with, um, if we're dealing with one of our roommates or like a, a complex social situation that involves both of us, I'm often coming to her and I'm like, yo, what just, what do I do here? Right. And I don't feel like that. A lot of these red pill kind of super mask types would be like, oh, you know, that's going to like give her the ick or whatever. And it's like, really? No, it's like, that's no. kind of, I feel like that's what most people, that's what I saw my parents do. That's what I, and that's what I see my friends and their relationships do. And it, it just seems to work. It's like, recognize your weaknesses. I mean, that's one of the great things about a romantic relationship that a lot of these guys, and maybe this woman will miss, which is that they can really, if you pick the right person, they can shore up your weaknesses a little bit, you know? Maybe like so. they can, they can step in. If you know you have a weak spot, and they're strong there, it's like they can really help you out. Um, and to just be like, I'm taking the lead on everything, closing the door to all that help you could be getting. Yeah, no, I think uh, her approach was a little bit extreme of like, oh, we have to be ladies for everything. I think it, it makes sense. I, I'm kind of thinking that she's more talking about maybe on, uh, I guess, overall, as mm. we kind of think stereotypically the man should be the leader and he's the one that should be the provider and he's the one that should be making the decisions. And it kind of sounds like she's almost like, no, men are stupid. Like, yeah. how, why, how could you trust the man to do this one? We're the ones. In yeah. And which ties into what I talked about earlier of like, all right, chill. Like yep. that. Like, she's trying saying. to, she's, I think she's just trying to push back against, if I had to mm. guess, I would say that she's super fed up with the opposite narrative. And she's just pushing back because I never heard that narrative before. This is the first I've heard of it. No, yeah. We saw it today so, and and, like, and also I, I really liked what you said about like people just saying what goes viral. Cause that's yeah. like, I, when I was watching that, I was like, this, this is good. Like, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. like from a pure content perspective, yeah, from a pure content like perspective, one. I'm like, yeah. this, this yeah. works. Cause especially the way she's saying it, it's like, cause 
I would actually believe that she's quite dominant in her relationships. Like it's not coming across as- Oh, in- she believes it. Yeah, it's yeah. not It's not coming across as inauthentic. I mean, that's the other thing about the, about the algorithm, which is interesting, is that like a lot of people think, oh, people are saying this just for the algorithm, but it's partially that the algorithm is finding the people who are saying it anyway. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Right. So like, okay. so like maybe she's always been on this wave and it's very authentic, but it's like now's the perfect time. And so it's like, it kind of scoops up that viewpoint and throws it right, out there and right, it goes viral. Right, right, yeah. right. It's so, it's it's crazy. And I know we got to start wrapping it yeah, up yeah, yeah. for sure. But um, it, it's tough because on social media, you kind of see extremes on both ends, right? Yep. I think more on the, like the, the red pull kind of shit as well. You're seeing this is maybe the byproduct of it, the response. Ooh. Right, it's like oh, like no, like chill out, like it's not like this. And, but but ultimately, I feel like, dude, relationships. We talk, we've been talking about it for three years, man. Like it's not, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a battle. Yeah, right. It's not, it's not a man versus woman. It's like yes, both genders have their strengths and weaknesses. But it's like let's come together and let's both work on building a life together. What can we do? Solving problems, right? Building a happy life. It's not about, oh, I'm better at this and you you, you you lack this. Your value is less than mine because you're a woman or because you're a man. And it's like this narrative is so, I think, detrimental to, to I think, almost society in general. If I if I can be that blunt, I think it's it's toxic. Yeah. And a lot of people, they soak the shit up, you know. I think we're aware enough to, make, to, to kind of see through it. But a lot of people, they see, oh, shit, and they just run with it, you yeah. know. And I'm glad there's guys like you just talking about relationships because frankly, I mean, a lot of these, another thing is that these, especially to see guys talking about it because like yeah, a lot of the it. other male podcasts doing this this kind of content, like talking about relationships, they're only talking about like the initial stages of romance. Like it's literally mm. just like how to pick up girls. And it's, like, and it's like, bro, that's the, that's the easiest part. Like that's yeah. like, that's like the entry level, like most basic is like, getting girls numbers and stuff like that's that's like the that's the first tier yeah it's way harder to like date someone for 10 years or whatever like that's that's way more difficult i i guess um because that that more applies to single men and i guess also when you know as as you're younger you want to kind of you know how do i impress women Mm. how should i approach women because when i was also like in my younger 20s like early 20s and mid-20s i was kind of thinking like i mean yeah you know i know i'm not a bad looking guy but Maybe I'm not getting. That's what, what I had said earlier. Almost like you know, if there's a girl that's like, "Oh, reciprocate," I'm like, "What? What the fuck is going on?" <laughs> so you know. So for me, it's almost like okay, I have to be more uh, creative with the approach in order to to kind of to to draw more yeah. attention and to and to do that. So yeah, I guess that's that's kind of like. Well, yeah, I'm not saying it's not valuable. No. It is. It is valuable to like learn the to learn the skill of like how to you know meet women. But it is strange to see these guys. Yeah, to see these guys just frankly like the fresh and fit guys are getting kind of they're getting kind of up there in age and they're still talking about like picking up girls it's well, like yeah well even that i'm sorry to cut you off but it's like you go watch on those you go on those panels and like the girls are like in their early 20s whatever mid-20s then you have the guys who are like in their 40s and pushing 50 yeah and it's like how are you gonna tell a 20 year old woman what to do with her life like yeah. dude you should be fucking building having a family and it's like a lot of these guys are single how the fuck am i going to take relationship advice from you dude you fucking single dude and and if i want to build a happy life with a, with a woman why would i go to you if i want to pick up some chicks maybe but i want to if, if i'm thinking about a healthy marriage building a life with a woman i want to see people who are married who've been through stuff who are a little bit older who are educated who who have been through stuff and we've had great people on who who had that but why the fuck am I going to listen to you for yeah. your advice when you have no idea how to fuck ha- how to have a happy relationship yeah. it's 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 baffling and guys soak the shit up 
It's yeah, crazy. It's, it's crazy. weird. Yeah. I, I think what their MO is, is to just shed awareness as to these kind of people do exist. Because like to your point, it's like, well, you know, it's not a lot of them. The majority of them, you know, they don't see, they don't, they don't think that way when we're talking about women and kind of like their expectations and their acting, whatever. Um, but then when you see, again, this is more on the red pill culture, they're, they, they defend that because it's almost like whether they have insecurities or they haven't had luck with women and stuff like that, or maybe they want to just kind of throw rocks or like, what is it? Cast a, what's the saying? Cast stones. Yeah. You when know? you're sitting in a Yeah, exactly. Throw rocks works. Yeah. <laughs> whatever. It seems a little bit more aggressive. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I almost, uh, I feel like they're, they're just kind of saying like, Hey guys, just make sure you understand that these women do exist. Mm. Um, this is, will be their expectations. And no matter what you do, it's not like you're going to change their mind. Um, just kind of focus on yourself and do whatever you can to be better. However, I wish that there was... No, but that's, but that's... Hold on, hold on, hold okay. on. I just wish that there was also like our approach where it's like, yeah, they exist, but there's also this that exists as well. Yeah. So also understand that, yeah, we do have women that are probably have these expectations. They want to do this, but they're not all like that. But they, no, that's not even what they're saying that all women are like. Yeah. That. That's like, yeah, that is a problem. They're talking about like, they're talking about like one in one in 20 women and they're acting like it's all women. Right. And but, it's like, and, and it's just, it's just weird to me. Cause also like they, it's like they're in a different world from me. Like I just, I'm just like, where, like they're, 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 they're acting like everyone's out to get everyone. Everyone's and it's like, like the vast, fuck you up. Yeah, yeah right. exactly. Yeah. Like the vast majority of what, like what are the vast majority of men and women both want? It's like, okay, we want to find someone, build a life as you say, yeah. and have a good, like that's what most people are looking for. And most people are looking for it pretty sincerely. Like I'm not, yeah. I mean, they've got such a negative outlook on life. But you're, but maybe you're right that there's a benefit to that. But I, I worry more about the cost where you'll see a lot of like 18, 19 year old boys who, you right. know, maybe didn't have success with women in high school. So they really know nothing about women at yeah. all. Um, like they might've never been on a date ever never been kissed anything. Like they're just so fresh. And then they show up, you know, on a college campus and they're like, Oh, I got to f- figure out about girls. And then they've got these really kind of toxic role models telling them that all women are going to cheat on them. All women are going to, you know, leave them for the next best thing yeah, as yeah, soon yeah. as the opportunity, da, 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 like all these horrible things. And then seeing, just getting bombarded with these clips of women saying things that are like really unpleasant. And it's like, man, you're just like, it's like baking a teenager's brain in like the worst possible yeah, when it's so ingredients. Impressionable. And, I yeah, agree. And he's going to be, he's going to be 40 years old, still sexist. And he's, and you know, what's funny is that like his attitude that he's built from watching this stuff it could chase away so many girls that it kind of makes his reality what they said it would be. You know what I mean? It's oh, like, yeah, you're going to sure. go through life getting rejected. Women are going to, you know, um, yeah, you're creating your own reality by the belief that you have. Yeah. And it's like, if you were an, a more open, genuine guy, who it's like, you know, yeah, some women could affect right. me of negatively, course, sure. but most women probably, you know, when they're on a date with me are being, being pretty sincere about being interested in me. Right. Yeah, like yeah. that's that's going to be a much better. But these a lot of these also guys are they're not even admitting that they want ha- happy, healthy relationships. They're like, oh no, like I would never fall yeah, in love with. They a don't woman. want the yeah exactly. And it's they like, dude, that. how the fuck? That's yeah. a sad way. Like, yeah. Yeah, I feel sorry. Yeah. For for someone who says, oh, I don't want to fall in love. Yeah. I don't want to build a, build a life and have a happy family with a woman. Be emotional. Be vulnerable. Be honest. Be compassionate. That's to me. That's sad. And 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 you know, I, I feel sorry. For people who feel that way, and yeah. so, um, but even I feel even worse that they're pushing that onto younger generations who, like you were saying, they had bad luck, right? If everybody goes through shit. Everybody has that one person who fucked them over, or two people. 
but that doesn't have to define the rest of your life or how you look at the other gender. Yeah, I mean, I saw more on Gaines from Fresh and Fit talk about like how he would never fall in love yeah, because he doesn't want to get hurt. And I'm like, this is, is this what's manly today? Like, is that, is that like the, the manliest, the, you know, the, the kind of super masculine, like I'm, su- I'm such an alpha. You're scared of getting your feelings hurt. Like you're not good. You're going to miss out on one of life's best experiences because yeah. you're worried that a girl's going to hurt your feelings. And you want me to think of you as like big alpha dude. It's like, right. no bro, you're terrified. <laughs> like, you're so, like you're actually, like actually it's like, what like like there are there are high school boys who are braver than you who are putting themselves yeah, out there yeah. more. You know what I you know what I think it is. I think it's something that we also touched up a little bit earlier. You know how you had said we're talking like body count and stuff, and how we were, we said uh, oh Miami might be a little bit higher, uh, the average whatever. Yeah, yeah. It probably is. Right. Well, I think that um, also the perhaps the quality of women that are perhaps down here. Sure. We say that maybe they're not as serious since we look at kind of like the the environment that Miami is where we see it as almost like a party spot because we're from here and this whole time, you know, I've just lived here, born and raised. Like I didn't really think about it. Well, not you, but me, I was born and raised. So I didn't sure. really know. So I asked a couple, actually they were from Boston and asked them like, when you think of Miami, like what do you think about? And they think, oh, party. Yeah, party. party. city. So then I feel like that's also the almost the culture that we've created here so it's also the the culture of the people who are living here as well so when they get used to that it's almost like if it's the perfect demographic to what fresh and fit does yeah because it's almost like you just go downstairs to brickle you're gonna find probably the majority of those women that are kind of dressing up nice looking super hot looking for you know yeah. somebody with money so i feel like mm-hmm. that's kind of it might be their, their reality yeah it might be their reality sorry to interrupt it, it might be their reality um Genuinely, and the mating market does seem pretty intense in Miami. That's that's yeah. what I've heard is that it's it's actually quite tough out here for both sexes um, because you have extreme female female competition with all this body modification. Right, they're they're yeah. putting tons of money into like changing their bodies that can't be good for their self esteem. Like the standards are probably crazy. And then you've also got like all these rich blokes around who are only interested in short-term mating. And so there, I mean, I don't know the statistics on it. Like there's probably, there probably is some, you know, cool scientists doing some like Miami mating market yeah. research <laughs> that I'm not aware of. Um, <laughs> but it does seem at least anecdotally that, that, that you guys have it tough, that the competition, <laughs> the competition on the male side seems to be pretty extreme for resources. And then the competition on the female side, I mean, imagine, God, I can't even imagine like being born into a city where it's like, oh my God, I have to get surgery to keep up. Yeah. That's wild. It's like, yeah. go to Boston, bro. <laughs> like, I have to go. Yeah. You know I mean? Well, I, we don't because we're in Yeah, if you want to find a partner, just go to leave Boston. Miami, go to Boston. <laughs> well, genuinely, there are, um, I don't know about Boston specifically, but there are mating markets that are more favorable for one sex or the other. Like one, oh. one, one, one really easy way to measure this is the operational sex ratio so if there's more males in an environment then women have it better if there's more Uh, women in an environment then men have it better now the the reason yeah and the reason that would be is because it's like if you're in higher demand right like if 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 everyone pairs up right you do like a one-to-one pairing then there's going to be leftover on one side males or females depending on who the operational sex ratio favors and whoever has like the leftover Right. That means that there's more competition and more musical chairs, let's say, on that side. Mm-hmm. And so that means that what so one really funny effect that we see is that in environments where the operational sex ratio favors women, meaning that there are more men to choose from, the men get more romantic, they get nicer, they compete uh, harder. And um, there are there's also a dark side to it if it gets too extreme. Um like in India there's lots of um 
Well, you know, it's it 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 can it, it there, there is some evidence that maybe it, maybe there's a negative side to this as well. Like maybe uh, an extreme operational sex ratio hurts everybody involved, but it does seem that a slight operational sex ratio, one way or the other, favors the um, favors the mating strategies of the sex that's less abundant. <sighs> interesting, interesting. Good to know. Yeah. I know you guys have been trying to wrap up for like no, no, I do. I'm loving this. Yeah. You know, it's almost it's bittersweet because you almost think like, man, because you, you know what I'm thinking about? It's you, like making sure that you know because you haven't rested at all. Yeah. So I'm, I'm kind of thinking of you, like, man, I want to make Chill. sure that you can get out of here. Yeah. Um. But every single time, like, we were like, okay, yeah, let's wrap up, let's wrap up, and then we start talking about something. We're like, wait, 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 hold on. <laughs> yeah, that was so that's a good sign. Yeah, that's yeah, a good yeah, sign, yeah. Dude, this is a this has been a great segment. I love it. I mean, we rarely go. Well, Push, we push. Oh, we we're hit two, two hours. hours. We, Dang, well, we, we started maybe a little bit. No, nah, but we we rarely hit two hours. Okay, well, I'm flattered. Dude, well, it's been fun. Yeah. yeah, but but right right before we we wrap up, just a quick little side note question because I know you don't want to talk about your personal relationship. You don't want to talk no. about podcast. Um, but just really quickly, do you feel like because of what you're doing within the field, has it made it easier or more difficult? I was going to ask. I was thinking about that earlier. That's funny. Very good question. Yeah. Well. Okay. So easier in some respects easier in the sense that if you spend you know dozens and dozens of hours reading the mating preferences literature you get a very good sense for what the opposite sex actually wants right um and what they don't actually seem to care about and this can get pretty fine-grained like you'll hear like kind of the anecdotal thing of like oh women love bad boys for example and so some guys will hear that anecdotally and it'll be like oh they start like being just kind of a bad person thinking <laughs> that it will attract women yeah. and then they end up chasing away women because they're unpleasant. Yeah. And then you assholes. look at the, yeah, but you yeah. can, yeah, but you can look at the specifics and it's like, okay, no, it's not the bad boy thing per se. It's like the confidence and stylishness and mm. dominance, right? Those things are attractive. So, you, but so that's just one example of like so many that I could list where if you spend dozens of hours reading the mating preferences literature and then also reading some of the relationship literature. Like how do you stay in love with someone, right? That kind of thing. How do you keep someone in love with you? All the, all these things you read them and it does influence your behavior, right? It's like, Oh, it's like, Oh, women really care about that. Okay. I should be doing that more. Oh, relationships that have this component, they tend to do better. Let me do more of that. So it does affect your behavior positively, but there's a negative side to it as well. It's not good to be so i spent the last two years studying infidelity it's not pleasant to just read story mm. after story like in terms of like the especially during the research phase when it's like really trying to understand the mind of someone who cheats right it's not ignorance is bliss right i i've never been cheated on as far as i know <laughs> and it there's a negative side to the experience of like learning lots about that happening um, both from the male perspective and the female perspective, um, where it, it jades you a little bit and it makes you a little more cynical. Um, mm. Like I, I would say that I was just overall as a person, I was more trusting and more relaxed about relationships before I spent two years studying infidelity. But do you also feel that because you know now you're more, I don't want to say it's more numbing, but you're also more aware so then now you're able to fully almost like give yourself to your partner because you know, well, if that could happen because that's what you've been researching, um, you can almost say like, you know what? It's always possible. Yeah. As long as I do my part in my relationship, I'm doing everything I can to kind of avoid that yeah. result. 
I mean, there is a benefit to it. I mean, there's even the simple benefit, as you say, of like, oh, I can do what I can to avoid that result. But that's not really a great state of mind to be in. Like, I really do feel like the way you approach, a lot of people come to me and they ask me like, oh, how can I, you know, spot a cheater? How can I avoid getting cheated on? And it's like, that's, I'll tell you, but that's not really what you should be thinking about in terms of your day to day. Like relationships are so much more complicated than that. It's like just fall in love, love them, um, and just have a great time because this is this is you know this is the main event. So enjoy it, right? And that, but that's kind of my point. So it's yeah. like almost instead of worrying about it because it's the unknown of what yeah. could happen, it's almost like well, I'm aware of the possibilities. I'm not going to stress out about it when yeah. there's so much more. I wish I wish that was the result. I guess it's <laughs> okay, like okay. I guess it's like if you read the news, if every morning you open up Google and you spend an hour researching crime in your neighborhood. That's not going to make you more relaxed about crime okay. in your neighborhood, but <laughs> okay. the, it doesn't change the risk, right? You could still sure. more or less, but your perception, like we're humans and we're vulnerable to this. It's just like, oh, this is a huge part of my life. For me, especially when I was at the height, I mean, we've now wrapped up our study. It's really during the write-up phase and we're moving on to more interesting topics, but especially during the really intense reading phase, it's like, okay, I'm waking up another morning on earth. I've got to spend, you know, eight hours reading about infidelity. Right. But like that's not... That's not the best thing to, you know, I mean, it's never caused problems, but yeah. internally it hasn't been the best experience. Yeah. Cause I can almost see him like Staying finishing reading an article and it's like, <sighs> yeah. All right, babe. How are you? <laughs> Let's go I to dinner. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. I can see what that. did you do with your time today? <laughs> 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 Just yeah, kidding. See that. All right. So, yeah. uh, Mac and yeah. So now legit. Right? Yeah. We also got it's Larry over. that wants to, yeah. So it's over. It's, uh, it's, it's not you. It's, it's me. It's us. It's fine. Um, so it's time to break up. We usually um, like to end on a final thoughts. And with that, it's basically um, a message you'd like to say to your, your, to your younger self or maybe just um, a, a message that you feel like it's very important that you'd like to share. Maybe something very general or maybe something that's very specific to whatever it is that you're, that you're researching. Um, you can say it to the camera. You can say it to us however you feel like you want to approach it. And then you can go ahead and sell yourself where they can find you and everything else. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I can say it to the camera. It feels, it feels kind of weird. To, to <laughs> yeah, um, okay. So, well, I, I would say that if I had to, based on the context of this conversation, I would say that for people listening, um, don't be following these red pill guys. <laughs> they, they don't know what they're talking about. Um, they're, they're, they're not trying to get to the truth of anything. They are ideologues, right? They have an ideology and then they're cherry picking facts to fit that ideology. So they're, they're not someone that you should be listening to. Um, and I would say that in general, looking at dating in terms of these rules, I mean, a lot of people come to me because they, they know that I know many of the correlations and associations. And so I can tell you probabilistic things, but each individual is different. And so if you're in a relationship with someone and it's like they have a lot of like statistical red flags, but you guys are in love and having a great time, don't don't ruin that over something so foolish. It's like, just keep having a great time. Um, don't be silly. And then in terms of, in terms of keeping up with me, it's very easy to find me. I would, I would say that you can just Google me. Like it's, it's, yeah, it's, we'll, we'll put your stuff in front of you. But Yeah. If you just Google my name, it, it all like the, the internet is so good at finding the links that I would want to share anyway. Um, Beautiful. my website is macandmurphy.org. Then that has, that has all the links. Perfect. We'll put everything in the description. Yeah. We can sell you. Yeah. That being said, <laughs> Damn, that was a good segment. I was sick. Thank you. Yeah, we're Genuinely. great. Man. Right, we thank cut it. Is it? Is yeah, it we're all set. All right, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for <laughs> tagging along. We made it. All right, I'm going to sleep. <laughs> we did. Next time. I'm so tired, bro. I'm so sorry. Yeah, that was fun. Bye, guys. Later.